Super Bowl kickoff in a couple of hours. One man who is down there who is very, very excited, not only because he gets to go to the Super Bowl, but because he is in the inaugural class of the Ford Hall of Fans at the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. Don Wachter is Bear Man, and he is with us on WGN. Don, welcome. First of all, congratulations. This is this is an unbelievably cool honor. Yes, thanks, Brian. That's my crowd here. Yes. It is a unbelievable honor. Uh, just the pinnacle of everything, you know. I can't explain how how excited I am about this. It has to be because listen, there's there's all kinds of fans, and you are without question a Bears super fan. You've been a season ticket holder for 34 years. Uh, right. How did how did yeah. the look evolve to? Because for those of you who haven't seen Don at a Bears game, uh, just Google Bear Man. But anybody who's been to right. Soldier Field has seen you because for a while you would you were the Bears had you carrying flags out on the field. Right. You're you're yep. a fixture a fixture in the north end zone. Uh, yep. You know, I remember I remember seeing you back before you had the Bear Man jersey when you just had the plank jersey. Um, so right. how did how did this whole road of your crazy fandom begin? Well, I guess it just, you know, just maybe the late 80s, I started waving flags, you know, that I bought, you know, flags, and then I always wanted to take it to a next level. Then I started doing face paint with, uh, you know, Bears helmet. Then I went to the, these colored punk rock wigs that they sold in the costume shops, and right. I went to that. But I always, you know, again, I, I really love the Bears logo, the Growling Bear. I love that logo, and uh, wanted to try to do something to, you know, to show that. And uh, you know, I went to a costume shop, you know, thinking maybe they might have something that's decent, but no, there are all these cutesy, smiling, uh, you know, bear, yeah. you know, bear heads that you wore over your head and could see. So I actually seen a guy, you know, in my the North End Zone one day. He had a, actually a, a, a basically a bear skin rug, and he had it, <laughs> you know, on his head and his back, and I'm like, oh wow, that's kind of interesting. He didn't really, you know, have much any costume besides that, and I just seen him once, and uh, that gave me an idea. Then, uh, you know, I went, called up a couple of taxidermist shops and inquired if they had any, and one in Palatine did, a smaller uh, black bear, and then I went there, and with price, I bought it, and I was too embarrassed to ask the taxidermist, you know, or tell what I wanted to use it for, Right. You know, as far as, hey, could I cut the head off of the rest <laughs> of the rug and, and wear it on my head, and but, uh, you know, I tried it. I it, it was mounted on plywood, and I uh, had a friend help me cut the plywood off and scoop out the uh, styrofoam and put a strap on it. And Bear Man was born wow. in, like, November of the 96th season. And uh, it just, it doesn't, like, the costume evolved, too, from that. You know, I sure. mean, uh, at first, you know, it was just a bear head, painted face, plank jersey, and, you know, I wore jeans. Then I started wearing two pants pants. I actually wore the fur, the actual fur on my arms until that kind of, started to disintegrate, so I got fake fur, had a claws, had a feet, and, you know, then, then pants, you know, regular football pants with fur on the legs and, and shoulder pads, so, yeah, but that, that even went to, you know, my, my jersey thing, Bear Man, kind of, you know, that started to call myself Bear Man in the early, you know, 2000s. And how did, how did it evolve to the Bears having you carry the, uh, carry the flag for those years? Well, well, yeah, that's actually an interesting story. I mean, uh, 
uh, in the 97th season, I was kind of getting some attention. That's, you know, the first full season I wore, I wore the Fairhead, and I was actually in two uh, Miller Lite commercials called the Miller Miller Lite Rapid Fan, and NFL Films came to me uh, during one of the games and said, hey, we're making these uh, commercials. We'd like to feature you. We're going to be showing across the country just at the two-minute warning of that game that they were showing that day. So, uh but then after the season, my friends and family would say, well, you should write the Bears, and maybe they'd give you a you know, job to be on the field or yeah. go through the stand to get the crowd pumped in. And after the 97th season, I, I wrote Ken Feldeseri as the director of Freedom Asia. I didn't think I would get any response. And by God, in two weeks, he uh, you know he wrote me back because he knew you know that they used me on the cover of their uh, – uh, calendar one year in 96. Oh, geez. I had uh, before the bear had it, and he invited me to the fan convention to talk to him. And then at the soldier, then at the Hallis Hall in June, he said, Well, you know, we have uh, an opening to run with one of the flags. He said, We don't want to make you really the official mascot, you know, you know, the, 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 the real bear head. They're a little bit concerned about the feet of people. Sure. And, uh, and yeah, I did that from the 98 season all the way through Champagne and the costume. That's amazing. So, uh, now, Ford is doing this Hall of Fans. This is, you are in the inaugural class. Yes. How do they, how did the nomination process work? How did it come to the point where you're in Atlanta today and you found out you're going in? You're, you're going to be right. in Canton, Ohio. What, uh, did somebody nominate you? How did this all yeah, yeah, happen? Started started in October, where Ford actually contacted the Bears and said, "Hey, you know, we're having this new contest. Going to have a new exhibit, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, can you give us the name of, let's say, three of your ultimate fans? And you know, the Bears, you know, know me very sure. well. They, you know, they have a lot of information on me, pictures they have, and and then you know, I gave them some information. So they sent it to Ford, and there was a Ford. You know, they." They looked it over, and about a week or week or two, they said, "Yes, we want to pursue this further." I had to send uh, a video of myself at one of the games to kind of demonstrate, you know, my ultimate fandom. And then after that, they said, "Well, we want to do this further, even." So they said, "We're going to send a film crew, you know, from Bleacher Report to film you at your house, interview you to see if you would be a nominee." And they sandbagged me. So early December. You know, they came at 9 in the morning. They were there for oh, several hours without me being in Bear Band and uh, being put in the face paint. Then they start the interview with me in, in the Bear Man costume. And halfway through it was a large knock on the door. And I opened, they told me to open it up. There's Brian Erlacher in all his fame and glory oh, standing man. at my front door with his golden jacket. Wow. He, you know, and I went crazy. And he said, Don, you have been nominated for Bear Man. You've been nominated for the Ford Hall of Fans. So they already, you know, knew that I was going to sure. be a nominee before wow. they told me. But, you know, Brian surprised me. So, you know, the contest started January, I'm sorry, December 30th online. You know, you had to vote sure. up to uh, uh, January 27th. So, and they judged me on three uh, three different, well, there was uh, one-third of the judging was on how many votes I got. Okay. One-third was uh, from a panel of four judged ranked me 1 through 10 on my office fandom, and then also uh, a panel from the Florida Hall of Fame ranked me 1 through 10. So, then the, you know, the three the three highest-scored people were set to the Super Bowl. We always knew that. Right. You know, so uh, we came here Thursday, and we were 
you know, the contest rules that only one of us would get a knock on the door from David Baker, the president oh, of the Hall of Fame. And, the, and uh, Thursday night, they still told us, hey, be in your hotel room between 8.30 and 9.30, and uh, somebody's going to get a knock on their door. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, was, I couldn't sleep. I was going to say, night. did you, did you sleep at all wreck. Thursday night? Uh, no, hardly at all. Hardly at all. I mean, I mean, and then, you know, that that half an hour between 8.30 and 9 was oh. grueling, Brian. I mean, it was grueling because I'm thinking, why isn't somebody knocking at my door? Yeah, I can't I imagine. Thought, I kind of thought I was a front runner. You know, I did. I mean, I had a lot of confidence. You know, a lot of people were telling me, all oh, Bear Nation were saying, man, you got this, Don. Bear yeah. man, you, you're the best one. But, but then, you know, we got surprised when he knocked on the door that, you know, he told us that all three of us made it. So I guess Ford, maybe all along, wanted to put three of us in there, not just one. Yeah, so, well, it's a good way to start. The inaugural class is three people. Now, yeah. I've watched the video. I expected you to be sleeping in full makeup on Thursday night, <laughs> waiting just in case. Now, you had the Bearman jersey, and you had your Bears hat and your all your gear, uh, but you, right. you decided no actual bear head or face paint for the Thursday no, night. Actually, yeah, I was a little bit, it, it, it was strange that people... Run, you know, the people doing the event here from Florida actually told me not to bring it, not to wear it. Okay. I was kind of disappointed. They said, well, there's no time for that, you know, because we got to go to the Hall of Fame luncheon right, right after this, you know, which was a, that was a special treat, you know, at 11 o'clock, you know, oh. going with 80 Hall of Famers, you know, and they, they introduced us to the whole crowd of Hall of Famers, you know, as these, you know, those three Ford Hall of Fans seem to be inducted, showed the video of us, so. You know, I bet, wow. I bet, you know, uh, Dan Hampton there and Mike Singletary, those, those were the two Bear Hall of Famers there. Sure. But, yeah, I was a little bit disappointed that I couldn't wear it, but definitely will be in costume, Brian, uh, between August 1st and 4th in Canton, Ohio, yes. when they unveil the new exhibit. So I'll be that's, in all my glory then. That's going to be unbelievable. Have they told you yes. what it's going to uh, what it's going to look like, what it's going to be like? Because all the reports I've read said there hasn't really... They haven't really finalized or released that to the public. Do you know no, what's going to happen? No, they're, yeah, they're still working that. But, but, Brian, I will give you a little bit of hint. Maybe I'm not supposed to do this. <laughs> I won't tell I anybody, found out last night. And get this. Uh, we are actually, us three are going to get blue blue jackets, blazers. Uh, that's a nice. Ford blue. So yeah. we actually are going to get jackets, you know, like the Hall of Famers, but they're going to be blue. Oh, man. So, uh, <laughs> this is, did you ever, in your wildest dreams, when you started going to Bears games, uh, and you well, you've been a Bears fan even before you had season tickets. But yeah. when you started dressing up, when you started doing this, could you ever have imagined that it would come to this? No, Brian. Because you know, I was, you know, I mean, I, I was, you know, kind of a shy kid. You know, grew up on a farm in Northwest Indiana. Went to a small high school. You know, I mean, I, I got very good grades. You know, finished the top eleventh of my class. But still, I, I was a, a Kind of an introvert, you know, and so forth. Did play sports, and this bear man is just like an ultra ego of mine. It kind yeah. of, and no, I mean, I never, I, I just had no imagined that it would come this far. I mean, to me, I've been telling people, you know, I'm not married, I don't have any kids. I mean, I got a bachelor's and a master's degree, but this is actually a bigger accomplishment than that in my, yeah, I, my eyes. I would, you know what? And this is not a knock on education. I would have to agree because you know if you have if you have the smarts and the the where will you can go to college and get your degrees. Right. Most of us, none of us are going to get into the uh, the Hall of no. Fans. Well, 
That no, is, I mean, yeah, it's going to be very hard. I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, who knows? I could be the only Bear fan to, to yeah. be in this hall, you know, because there, you know, there's not going to be, you know, again, there's a lot of fans they're going to have to, you know, poke through. So, no. here's the other thing, you know, I, I thought it's fitting, too, that, you know, the Bears are celebrating their 100th season this coming season. Right. You know, the, the NFL is celebrating 100th season. The Bears have the most players in the Hall of Fame, 28. What's more fitting to put a Bear fan in the Hall of Fame on the 100th anniversary? So that's, I kind of look at it that way, too. Yeah, it all, it all works out together. Uh, I should ask, who are the other two fans that are inducted with you? Uh, Rick Holman from the Pittsburgh Steelers and Roger Avila from the uh, Miami Dolphins. Very nice. Now, uh, were yes. they as were they as surprised when when you? I know you've talked to them that that you all got in because obviously this was Ford's plan, but you guys all thought it was right. you know doggy oh, dog oh, or yeah. buried. I mean, they were to, very surprised. They were kind of even kidding with me, you know that you know that I was going to be the one. They just they kind of thought I was going to be the one to make it just because of the kind of you know the fame I've got more yeah. so than the other two, you know. Uh, <laughs> it's amazing, I'm the one, you know, that really just stood out in the contest with the with the costume and the look and identity. So, well, and uh, also, yeah, I mean, the other two were very, very happy. Oh, that. sure. You also said one of the one of the criteria was, you know, they came to the house. Now, I've seen footage of your house. I saw um, Dion uh, from Channel Seven was at your house. Uh, right. You have. It's not just Sundays where you uh, tend to go over the top for your Bears fan. You live basically in a shrine to the Bears and drive a shrine to the Bears. Oh yes, yes, exactly. You know, I mean, even the actual bear. My, my, I got a small place, but my. Downstairs is kind of a tribute to the the, the grizzly bear. I love bears, black bears, you know, so I got all bears up then, you know, upstairs is all the Chicago bears. Then got Barola, you know, that's the Toyota Corolla, <laughs> Barola. The Barola. Uh, Brian has nine, you know, bear heads on the on the roof that represent the nine championships. Uh, has a bear in front and has uh, 132 decals, bear-related decals, you know. All over it. <laughs> that is amazing. And, oh, I, I also got every every number for uh, every Bear Hall of Famer. All the twenty eight Hall of Famers are on it. So, well, Don, no one can question your fandom and uh, being Thank inducted you. into the uh, Ford Hall of Fans in the inaugural class is well, well deserved. So now you're down there. Have you been to a Super Bowl before, or is this your first one? No, it's a. My first one, unfortunately, was the Miami Super Bowl oh, Forty One, yeah. where I got I got drenched. You know, I was <laughs> I was dressed in bear, but that's actually the, the the time I my bear had ever got that wet before. Yeah, oh. I experienced. So this is the second one. So, but this one you're being treated as an MVP. Uh, it's got to exactly. be exciting. Yeah. And uh, yeah, two thousand two hundred fifty dollars. These tickets are. <laughs> wow. Now who's yeah. who's been hanging around the hotel? Have you have you hobnobbed with? You mentioned the Hall of Fame luncheon where you got to see Singletary and Dan Hampton. Right. Uh, anybody hanging around the lobby of your hotel of note? Oh yeah, get this: Robbie Gold and Kyle Long. <laughs> you know, Robbie Gold was up for the uh, Walter Payton Award, so yep. he was staying in there. So I talked to him a couple times, saying how bad we want to back. Yeah, did you get ask him if he's going to come back? Get this, Brian. I'm sorry. Uh, I was in the lobby, and Kyle Long seen me from the restaurant, yelled Bear Man at me, <laughs> and came out and congratulated me. Oh, man. You know, I, I, I wasn't in the, you know, not in the Bear Man costume. Sure. He came out, and, you know, then I see Trey Burton this morning. Uh, you know, there's, 
Well, Ed Reed, you know, he was staying in our hotel. who got inducted. Adidas, Adidas Williams with the Cardinals. But yeah, there's a lot of it's amazing. Lot of players there. It is amazing, and the the uh, the players know you. The team knows you, and anybody yes. who's been at Soldier Field knows you. Don, congratulations! Enjoy the Thank game you. today, and uh, we'll be we'll talk to you as uh, the summer gets closer when you head out to Canton exactly. to get the Blue yep. Blazer. Thank you so much, Brian. Take I appreciate care, Don. it. My pleasure. Congrats again. Give us a growl on the way out. All right. There you go. That's Don Walker. He is Bear Man. He is in the inaugural class of the Ford Hall of Fans. He will be inducted in Canton, Ohio this summer, uh, along with uh, two other fans. So uh, very, very exciting. That is uh, very cool. All right, let's do this, and then we will uh, do more. Why? Because we're here till 7. It's WGN. All right, on the other side of the news, Josh Noel from... The Tribune, he writes about beer for the Trib. Uh, we will talk about something I would have never thought in a million years to purchase, store brand beers. So we'll talk about all of that on the other side, because that's our brand, Cody. I don't know, you know, the kids always talk about uh, being on brand, and I think uh, talking about beer, is uh, that's on brand for this program. Would you agree? It is. We are on brand. Are you proud of me that I know what that means? I'm... No. No, because I should know what that means. No, it's because no one should be proud of knowing things like that. <laughs> Exactly. It means nothing to anyone. Uh, have you are now? I know you are not uh, a huge sports fan, but we were just talking to Don Walker, and that is that's a great story. That is, you know, every every huge fan's dream has now come true for Don. One, he's getting to he's gotten to uh, be part of the team that he's a huge fan for, and now he's getting worldwide recognition to be in the uh, Ford Hall of Fame. I know you don't go to a lot of sporting events. Uh, you do dress up for your uh, geek con. Or your your weirdo convention in the summertime, Gen Con. I I know people are going to send me a horrible horrible emails now. Um, would you ever would would you ever dress up for a sporting event or a theater event when you go to see your the John Williams, not John Williams, the radio personality, the composer? When you go to see those things, do you dress up? No, I, I see people that do, and they're fun, and they add to the ambiance. Yeah. Like when I saw The Legend of Zelda, Symphony yes. of the Goddesses. Sure, of course. At the Auditorium Theater, lots of people dress up like Zelda and Link and all, yeah. the, all the characters. And it's fun. It adds, uh, and, and it's fun for the performers, too. I talked to some of the people in the Indianapolis Symphony when I saw Video Games Live in 2006. Okay. And I asked them, I'm like, you know, what, what do you think when they hand you sheet music and they say, oh, you're playing music from Halo? <laughs> and they said, you know, at first it's kind of odd, but first of all, the music is surprisingly good and right. second of all it's so fun because the crowd gets so into it and the crowd will cheer and, and freak out when they start playing music pieces you know pieces and that yeah. doesn't really happen with like shostakovich no not at all so much i rarely dress up like mozart when i go to the symphony but sometimes yeah occasionally but i do that at home uh but i've back in college uh, I went to all the SIU football games and the basketball games and i got to a point where i started wearing one of those rainbow afro wigs <laughs> just because cause you know I hate the spotlight and I hate attention. Of course. So I would wear this, and I was the only guy sitting around. Uh, so all of us, so I'd wear that in a Saluki shirt, and uh, I started getting the nickname Big Fan because I was big. Uh, so Big Fan, they did a profile on Big Fan on the, uh, the WSIU TV, and then SIU was playing for the 1AA National Championship in football in Charleston, South Carolina. So Big Fan and his friends made a road trip down to Charleston for the game. And as I'm, we're at the stadium, and I'm in my... It, would, it was just a t-shirt, like a regular SIU t-shirt, but the wig. 
of course, this is back. This is back before people went completely over the top. And I remember walking around, and the dean came around the corner, and he was like, "Big fan." <laughs> I was like, so I can only. I mean, that is a minuscule percentage of what Don goes through all the time. And you've never been to a Bears game, right? Not the Bears, no. I've. I mean, he's been there for thirty-four years, and I've seen the costume evolve. Just the few times that I've been there over the over the last ten fifteen years, um, it's it's crazy, and there's no doubt you know where Don is sitting because he you you can't miss him. He's a he's about my height, our height, and he's got a giant bear head on. Yeah, and fur up on his arms and legs and claws and paws and the whole deal. I experienced a fair amount of that kind of thing in college because I played for the Drake University oh, pep band. Oh, very nice. And I was in the marching band. So yeah. the football games weren't as crazy, but we were, it's a Division One team. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the men w- went to the Final Four in, you know, the 60s once ever, <laughs> you know, but, but yeah, still, there's never yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, there were, there were some fans and some people in the pep band that really became like these personalities. Well, you know, it's, it's fun and it doesn't hurt anybody. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. If you, why not go, why not celebrate joy? Because there were always people who were going to look and go, "What a weirdo! Why is it? Why is he doing that? Why? Are you, why is she getting all excited? Why is that girl at Northwestern screaming? You know why she's screaming? Because she's filled with joy, and there's nothing wrong. I don't know what that feels like, but I would imagine <laughs> if you're full of joy, you want to let it out. Mm-hmm. And uh, fine, fine with me. Enjoy. I'm all for it. You know what I enjoy? After uh, dry January. What's that, Brian? Fun February, and I need a beer. Maybe I need a cheap beer, Cody, because you know I'm not made of money. It nice shows, transition, shows, Brian. Thanks. Shows on once a week. I gotta. I, maybe I'm looking for cut-rate booze. Josh Noel from uh, the Tribute will join me afterwards. We'll talk about some store-brand wines or store-brand beer that you may want to get involved in. It's 4.30 on 720 WGN. This report of news is sponsored by White Pines Resort. Here's Pam Jones. Brian Noonan, 720 WGN. If you know one thing about this program, you know we like beer. We talk about beer a lot. We uh, like to imbibe in beer. Everything about beer. Uh, another man who... Uh, likes beer a lot and you know how he likes beer a lot because he writes about beer for the chicago tribune and he is the author of barrel age stout and selling out goose island anheuser-busch and how craft beer became big business josh noel joins us right now on wgn josh am i saying your last name correctly yeah, Noel will work either way. Honestly, <laughs> no one likes that answer, but that's fine. Yeah, that's that's the one answer that most people will say. Oh, here's a, here's a definitive answer. But uh, all right, well, we'll just say Josh for now. Uh, we'll I enjoy, I enjoy reading your stuff in the trip because it always opens my uh, eyes up to some new things. Uh, this week, not a, no exception, because I think like many people, I've walked through different grocery stores, and uh, Aldi or Costco or even Walmart, and I've seen beer there that uh, at first glance you go, oh, that's X brand, because it looks like it might be a popular brand that we've all bought. And then upon closer inspection, you go, no, that's not that's not that at all. It's some sort of store brand. Is, is this a recent thing that uh, these chains have started doing their own private label beers? Uh, it's not recent. Trader Joe's has been at it for a while, and they're really the best known for it. You walk into Trader Joe's, there's going to be probably 15 or 20 brands you won't find anywhere else, which is very on-brand for Trader Joe's, right? Sure, oh, Trader yeah. Joe's salsa and uh, wine and chips and fruit, and, you know, everything. So yeah. no reason it shouldn't extend to the beer. But it's just, it, 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 it sort of looks different, and 
uh, almost a little screwy because we're just so used to, you know, we see uh, Bud and Miller. Those are the commercials we're going to see on the Super exactly. Bowl today. And then, you know, Kraft, you know, Goose Island and Chicago and Revolution. But then you walk into Trader Joe's and you see these brands that you've quite possibly never seen before in your life. Exactly. And you're like, well, what is this? And so, but uh, to your point, uh, Aldi has gotten pretty strong in that game now as well. And then you've seen Walmart has experimented with it. Costco has played around in that space. Walgreens even got into it, so they did continue their <laughs> brand. But it's it's a way for them. It, it's just, it, it sort of works for the stores because they can do it on the cheap, and then it works for the customers because we can get the beer cheaper base, as private labels. Uh, the problem, and what sort of got me going on this story in the first place, was just the simple question of, which of these are good and which of these are not. Right. You know, you, you generally get what you pay for, right? But but not always. And there are some really good deals to be found there, and some of them were absolutely dreadful. And so I drank through 30 of the brands to, uh, to, to see what I could see. Well, see, because just, and I know this is, well, now I know after reading your piece that this is wrong. I just immediately assumed that these were all horrible, and I would never have picked them up. You know, uh, now I'm going to try some because of what I read. But is that... How do these companies overcome that hurdle? Because most, you know, there's some pe- people who are going to drink whatever just because it's cheap. There are some people. Yeah, who... no, I think I think you just nailed it. Uh, cheap. Okay, <laughs> that's how they that's how they deal with it. Is they're just these these beers offer really strong value. Um, the the problem is that a lot of them also offer not so good beer. Um, but again, I just I, I sort of assumed that there had to be some gems yeah. in there and and that's what got me going in in the first place but you're right a lot of them probably more than half are probably just not worth your time or your money no matter how cheap it is but there are a handful that are really nicely made beers um that if you just need something dependable in the in the fridge or something to bring to a party that doesn't cost you know too much money i mean yeah. there there are some winners in, in that stack before we get into the list of what we should drink and what we should avoid, these are all contract beer, contract brews, right? So where do these places find the breweries that are actually making the beer for them? Uh, that's an important point. Uh, so the, the the brewery, the people who are actually making the beer, they're really their their identity is nowhere to be found on these beers. Okay. That's sort of the point. Is it's supposed to come off as just this exclusive Trader Joe's brand. Uh, even if it's not branded as Trader Joe's, you won't find it anywhere else. But it's meant to uh, evoke sort of this identity away from the company that's actually making it. Uh, that said, if you dig a little bit, you can generally figure it out. So back in the day, which we'll say, let's say 10 years ago, <laughs> contract-made beer, which you know is beer made by a company as another brand, right. uh, was pretty, pretty bad. Um, but with the craft beer revolution, we're seeing uh, incredible progress on the contract brew front. So some of these beers are really quite quite good. Um, but you know, some of the old standards are like Minhas Craft or Minhas Brewery in Monroe, Wisconsin. Uh, Point Brewing up in Stevens Point, okay. Wisconsin. Uh, there's they're sort of all over the place. Um, and some do, are big names and some are not. So some of them are making beers under their own labels too, right? It's not they're not, or or are they all doing just contract stuff? Well, I know Point is not, but are some right, of these exactly. others are so, they just in the the contract business? Some are. So there's Great Central Brewing here in Chicago, which it was opened as a contract brewery. Okay. Uh, there's a brewery in Madison, Wisconsin called Octopi, 
which is was opened as a contract brewery. And actually, they make two of the Trader Joe's brands that I really liked. Uh, but others, as you point out, like Point Brewing does a ton of contract brewing, but you'll also see Point brand beer on the market. So some are a hybrid. They do both. And some, uh, we're starting to see more breweries opening specifically as contract breweries as well. And do those contract breweries, are they coming up with the recipes for these these beers that they're contracting out? Or is somebody in R&D at Trader Joe's going, we want an IPA and we want it to have these kind of notes and, and giving that to the contract brewery? How, how does it work? My sense is that the breweries are really taking the lead there. Probably um, five, ten years ago, uh, the stores had very little input at all. I and mean, everyone's getting a lot more savvy about beer. Yeah. So my guess is that Trader Joe's has someone who has a pretty good understanding of what they want and will probably have that conversation. But the breweries are, uh, the breweries are the experts at, at making it. So they're, they're, they're the ones who are really sort of arriving on what to put in the can or the bottle. All right, since we be, you've been talking about Trader Joe's a lot, let's start with Trader Joe's. Uh, I walk in, I see the shelves lined with the beer I've never heard of before. What should I grab? Uh, well, a couple uh, of the winners that I like from Trader Joe's, there, there's a whole line of beers from them called Joseph's Brow, okay. uh, which is you know a play on Trader Joe's and uh, sort of a German name, sure. you know, the Brow. Um and those are relatively good, all in all. I really like Joseph Bra- Joseph's Brow Pilsner. They spell it P-L-Z-N-R. It's a Czech-style lager, um, and it's made by Gordon Bierce Brewing, yeah, which is out do, in California. And they do pretty good. If you've been to a, you know their yep. restaurants or stuff, their beer's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. No, they're they're pretty well regarded. I don't think they're they're not a particularly. Uh, you know, sexy name, but they're right. but they're certainly they've been around a long time. They know what they're doing, and so it's little wonder that this off-brand uh, Czech pilsner they're making for Trader Joe's uh, would actually be pretty good. Uh, another beer from them, also Gordon Biersch, also under the Joseph's Brow brand, was Joseph's Brow Radler, which is something that's going to appeal to someone who's maybe not the hardest core beer drinker. Uh, as the label says, it is a, a lemon beer, so it's really mm. a beer sort of uh, fruit-juice hybrid. Like a, a shandy way. kind of thing? Exactly. Yep, exactly. And, you know, I'm pretty, uh, uh, I'll say, uh, <laughs> serious beer drinker. Yes. Um, but I really, I like the, I like Joseph Brown Radler. I thought they really, they pulled it off quite nicely. Um uh, there's another uh, Joseph Brow Hellerbach, which is uh, uh, it's a Maybach, which is a German style that that appeals to a sort of a, the harder core beer drinkers. Yeah, it's like uh, an Oktoberfest kind of beer. Yep, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's that's another Gordon Biersch and okay. another one that's pretty well made. And then Stockyard Oatmeal Stout, which is not Gordon Biersch. Oh no, I'm sorry, it is Gordon Biersch. Uh, it is not branded as Joseph's Brow, uh, but Stockyard Oatmeal Stout for six forty nine for a six pack. Completely yeah, that's not bad. confident, well-made oatmeal stout, and none of these are, again are are uh, are super sexy, but they're they're uh, they're just they're well-made beers. And then the, the, I mentioned Octopi Brewing in yes. Madison, Wisconsin. They had two of my favorites. They have uh, one called Euphony Lager, E U P H O N Y. It's just uh, it's just a flawless, nice, clean. Lager, five ninety nine. I mean, it's just it's just 
it just threads the needle for what it's trying to do. And then there's another one called Cacalpony, uh, which is also Octopi. Though these are, I should point out, are not branded as Octopi. They're branded as Campanology Brewing. But oh. again, that's just a front. Um, <laughs> the Shadow Corporation. Yeah, that's just Trader Joe's just wants it to be their own unique brand. Sure. Um, and Cacophony is just a really nice pale ale. And it's, uh, you know, if, you're, if, you, if you've got that pale ale, if you went to Revolution or Half Acre, or one of the, the Chicago craft breweries, a lot of credibility, and walked in and ordered a pale ale and they handed you that, mm-hmm. you would not be unhappy. It is, ah. it's, it's, it's that good of a pale ale for, again, five ninety nine for a six-pack. Uh, nice. It's not reinventing the wheel. It's just a really nicely made pale ale. Josh Noel is with me. He is uh, the right, the beer writer for the Chicago Tribune and the author of Barrel Age Stout and Selling Out, Goose Island, Anheuser-Busch, and How Craft Beer Became Big Business. You can follow him on Twitter at, at HopNotes. Uh, Josh, if you can hang on one second, we will uh, continue this conversation because some other stores have a couple of ones that we should pick up, and then we'll tell people a few that uh, as they're wandering the aisles, they should avoid at all costs. <laughs> Okay, deal. All right, let's do this. Then there's more at 720 WGN. Maybe you want to save a little money as you're uh, going out on your way to your Super Bowl party. You might want to swing by Trader Joe's, Aldi, Costco. You've seen these beers on the shelf. Well, if you go to the Tribune, uh, Josh Noel, who uh, is the beer writer for the Chicago Tribune, has has done the work for you. Josh, you tasted 30 of these beers, so we wouldn't have to. And uh, the article is great because you break it down into buy it, uh, not bad, and skip it. Now, uh, we've talked about a lot of the buy it's, and most of them were from Trader Joe's. But there was one, and again... Uh, I learned this with wine. I guess Aldi Aldi can be surprising. So one of your other buyets is from Aldi. Up oh, where did I know? Oh, there we Me. go. There we go. Sorry. Oh, no, that's okay. There I am. I thought uh, I hit the button. Uh, yes. That that the, the beer you reference. Uh, I'm going to put a little German accent on it. Hopefully, I'm I'm doing this right. Vernis Gruner, or oh. if. Uh, and here in uh, in American, we might say Wernis Gruner. Uh, but uh, Vernis Gruner Pilsner, I, I had no expectation. I had no idea what I was getting into. Cracked it open, and it's just a delightful German Pilsner. Um, and, again, you know, the price is right, five ninety nine for a six-pack. And, you know, Stella, uh, which is owned by Anheuser-Busch, biggest mm-hmm. beer company, uh, or Anheuser-Busch InBev, biggest beer company in the world, they're trying to make imports this thing that has to be uh, – you know, highfalutin and expensive sure. at, you know, whatever Stella costs. And here's, this is, I'd much rather have this beer, and it's at a, a fraction of the cost. It's just six bucks for the six-pack. Um, right. That was that was the real standout for me at Aldi. And um, You had one other from Aldi in the not-bad category. Uh, I the, the one that was oh, like a blue moon, the Kinru. Yeah, Kinru, yeah. Kinru Blue. Um, another one I had no expectation of and had never heard of it. And, you know, honestly, for me, it, it didn't really suit my taste all that much, but I will say that it was a clean and well-made beer. Um, and that's why I would recommend it. And especially again to, uh, to Blue Moon drinkers, that, that's one of the cool things about these store brands is that they, they prevent, uh, present a lot of good alternatives. So okay. it's, you know, if, if you want a cheaper and I would say better option than Stella, I would go with that Vernus Gruner. If you want a cheaper and I would say better option than Blue Moon, I would say Kinru Blue. Um, it's it's uh, very 
Uh, it's a rich, flavorful beer, very orangey almost. I got sort of notes of orange sherbet off it. Um, and that's what the, the style is going for. It's, it's uh, The wit beer is going to have notes of orange peel and coriander. That's the idea. And Kindred Blue is a very uh, a pretty richly textured version of that. Um, so, again, not maybe not something I personally would reach for, but I, I think people would like it. So I, I do I would recommend it if uh, if you are a Blue Moon drinker. Now, if these beers are so good, you would think that these stores uh, would spend a little more marketing them so that people who maybe I don't always shop at Aldi, I'll go there every once in a while, or, I, you know, I'll go to Trader Joe's if I have specific things. Don't they want to try to get people? Like Trader Joe's did a pretty good job with that two-buck chuck, now three-buck chuck getting people right. in if they've got all this great beer are they just hoping word of mouth is enough to to move the bottles i think so i think word of mouth and um and price again i mean trader yeah. joe's never is hurting for people walking in the right, door exactly uh and you know they they they're getting more sophisticated with their packaging and how they're talking to customers and stuff. And I assume that the beers are doing well if they're hanging around. That said, uh, Trader Joe's is apparently phasing out its uh, Mission Street brand, which has been around for 10, 15 years. Mission Street IPA, Mission Street, pa- Mission Street Pale Ale. Those were actually really good beers back uh, in their time. Huh. Um, and, but they're being phased out, I guess, because they're not, they're not keeping up. I mean, there's so many good IPAs out there now, so many locally made IPAs, no matter where you are, and people are increasingly reaching for those. Now, you had a couple from Costco, the uh, Kirkland Signature IPA and APA. What concerned me from reading the story, they're only part of they're only part of mixed packs, so are you getting beer that was n- not good along with these ones that you said were, were in the um, not bad category? Correct. That's sort of uh, the, the problem with the Costco craft beers. Uh, they have this mixed pack, 24-pack, uh, uh, which has um, IPA, uh, APA, which is an American pale ale, mm-hmm. uh, uh, stout, and brown ale. Okay. So I went into, you know, I had to try the Costco beers. Oh, sure. Um, and I was surprised that the IPA and the APA, the pale ale, I thought were both solid. I mean, I'm, I'm not, those probably do not pass the, the half acre revolution test, which I mentioned before. Sure. Uh, if you walked into half acre and, and were give, you were given that IPA, you might say, Hmm, half acre is a little off its game today. Um, so it's not, it's not that good, but that said, it is perfectly fine, uh, for an IPA to just, for someone who just wants an IPA, it's, it's a perfectly fine IPA, uh, good enough. Well made, clean, nice flavors. Good, you know, good for you, Costco. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, those the only way to get those beers is uh, packaged with mm. the stout and the brown ale. And I thought the stout and the brown ale were both fairly dreadful. Uh, the stout, the brown ale was just strange, uh, <laughs> and the stout was just bad. Uh, I think, I, as I said in the, the story, it's sort of like licking coffee beans. Ugh. Um, yeah, it was just, it was all out of whack and balance. So yeah, two, two good ones for Costco and two not so good. And you have to buy them that's all a, together. Yeah, that's unfortunate that you have yeah, to buy them all together. Yeah. Now we've been talking a lot about Trader Joe's and you've been, a lot of, a lot of your best ones were from Trader Joe's, but not every beer at Trader Joe's is a home run. What's, as you're walking down that aisle there and you're picking up some of the other ones, what should we avoid at Trader Joe's? Yeah, there's some there's some definite lesser options there as well. So simpler times is 
uh, probably the most iconic Trader Joe's brand, just because it's so cheap. It's four bucks for a six pack, okay. um, and it's you know it's kind of a nice name. Simpler times. It evokes a nice image. The can is kind of looks nice, and um, uh, it's a sort of like a, a, a nice throwback brand. But the beers are pretty dreadful. Uh, the lot simpler times lager, simpler times pilsner, pass and pass. I mean, it's just there, there's. I'd rather spend you know six bucks on a good to very good beer than four bucks on a lousy beer. Right. I mean, it's just to spend the extra $2. Um, another, one of the Joseph Sproul beers, so we talked about that before, made yeah. by Gordon Beer. And I thought those were pretty good across the board, but the Joseph Sproul Hefeweizen I thought was a mess. Did not care for that. Uh, the Joseph Sproul drive through Red was, it was okay. I could have even maybe put that in the not bad section. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't as bad as some of these other beers. Um, but I, that didn't wow me. And then there's this, uh, Boatswain family, Boatswain IPA, double IPA, HLV ale. Um, those are in cans. Those are five bucks for a six pack. And I thought the whole Boatswain family was pretty much worth ignoring. Okay. Uh, again, you sort of get what you pay for. Um, so not, yeah, I would, I would not counsel anyone to, uh, go down go down that avenue if you're looking for beer at Trader Joe's. All right, if you missed any of this, you need to get to uh, the Tribune. You can you can pick up a hard copy, or you can go to the website. Uh, the story, how are those Trader Joe's, Costco's, and Aldi beers? We taste 30 in time for Super Bowl shopping. Uh, Josh is also the author of Barrel Age Stout and Selling Out Goose Island, Anheuser-Busch, and How Craft Beer Became Big Business. What's the next story we should be looking for in the Trib? Ooh. Uh, what? Are, <laughs> oh, I'm like your editor all of a sudden. What are you doing next, Josh? Come on, let's go. <laughs> well, I, I for a second I couldn't remember, but I do remember now. But I uh, I'm actually going to keep it under my hat for okay. the moment. So ah, I want I want nice. I want to I want to I think it'll it'll have a big bang when people see it. At least people it'll it's a little counterintuitive, and I think people enjoy reading about it. But I'll uh, I'll give you the heads up in email, and if you want to yeah. talk it over, then I'm I'll I'll be around. That sounds great. We love talking beer, Josh. It was a pleasure. We will talk to you again. Yeah, thanks for having me, Brian. Take care. That's Josh Noel. You can read him in the Trib and uh, get the book. On the other side of the news, Cody has issues with fr- refrigerators, and uh, we'll get to all of that. And there's so much more. The uh, You can hear the sounds that matter. Oh, of course, the top five at five from the Rocon Show with Anna DeVolante's weekday afternoons on 720 WGN Chicago. Smart speaker users, just say play WGN Radio on Tune In. Five o'clock with the news, Pam Jones. Roger Badish has uh, wandered in, and I, I must say... I was a little disappointed in you this week. I was expecting some sort of uh, polar vortex calamity. I was expecting you to be, you know, you've run outside naked and stuck yourself to a pole. I was expecting your car to have launched into the lake off some sort of ice bridge. Nothing. All I see is your home safe and sound. And i that's not the Roger Badish that I count on no. to uh, give me fodder for Sunday's broadcast. I need I need you to go out and do something in your usual way. That I can say, oh, I feel bad, and then make fun of. Yeah, well, how did I'm, you how did you manage this? You survived. I was surprised unscathed. myself. I was surprised myself. <laughs> Seriously, I was thinking that oh, I'll go out and start the cars, and they'll find me frozen in one of them. Yes, you know, in the parking lot. That didn't happen. Surprisingly, did, did they start? Did your car start? Actually, we, they did. Uh, I had an appointment on Tuesday afternoon, okay. and then from Tuesday afternoon through, I think Thursday midday. 
You so for two full days, yeah. untouched. Okay. We didn't start them up. We didn't do anything. I came out Thursday afternoon when I I saw that it was going to start warming up. Sure. And, and we needed the cars on Friday. Sure. And when, when by warming up, you went, hey, it's going to get to zero. Let's, let's, exactly. let's go crank yeah. up the cars. <laughs> exactly. It's going to be exciting. So I was thinking, well, all right, my car will start right up. And, and Bridget's, maybe I might have trouble with. Okay. It was the other way is, around. Yours is newer. And I use it a lot more than she sure. does. And hers had been sitting there longer than two okay. days, okay. actually. Um, I got into hers because it was first in the line. And boom, right up. Nice. No problem. Excellent. Uh, so I cleared off the windows and uh, for her of the sure. snow and everything. Nice. And then I turned hers off, went over, started mine. And mine did a little, uh, 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 yeah. and then started up. Oh, did it? Yeah. It oh, was just good. a little cough, and then boom, it started right up. Nice. So, yeah, yeah so we lucked out. Yeah, that's. I, I was seeing reports of people not being able to start it, and I, you know, I, t- I said, mentioned this earlier. I debated all day Wednesday if I should go out because Molly's car is out in front of the right. house, and I debated, and I debated, and then I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. And, uh, well, the one picture that you posted through the window of her car, it looks so lonely out there. It was like, please start me up. (laughs) You know, uh, it, I should have let it be lonely because it was cold. Uh, Yes. And it did not start. And so the smart thing would have been, but I pulled a Roger Badish. The smart (laughs) thing would have been, I would have been, once it didn't start to go back in the house and wait, knowing that I would jump it on Friday and it would start right up because it would be 30, 25, 30 degrees. No, 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 no. I uh, I decide, well, I'm already out, so I'm going to go get my car out of the garage because I said, well, that way my car starts too, and then I'll jump it. Okay. Um, Molly's jumper cables, or the jumper cables are in the trunk of Molly's car, which one, I didn't think, first I didn't think I'd get her hood open because it was kind of frozen, right. and I'm pounding on it in the middle of the street, first of all thinking, please open, <laughs> second thinking, I got to get out of this. This is dumb. Right. Um. So I get the trunk, the hood open. Mm-hmm. Then I've got to try to get the trunk open because that's where the jumper cables are that are now frozen into a coil. Oh so no! As I, as I start to, st- I'm trying to stretch them out, and the plastic on one of the clamps shatters because oh, no. it's so brittle, oh, so brittle cold. <laughs> now at this point, I still had the option of going back in the house, right? But I'm too invested at this point. I have infected you. Right. I'm, inve- I'm not. What, are, what am I going to In the middle of this operation, <laughs> I'm going to stop? Because now I'm either going to be dead or I'm going to have a great story. Yeah, and um, you got you got a great well, story. Well, I have a story. Let's, we'll, we'll let other people judge the greatness of the story. So my car, my car, thankfully, in the garage, boom, started right up. And nice. Lest you think I have a nice heated garage, the window in my garage looked like a uh, a sheet of ice. It was my garage is not insulated. Okay. My garage is not heated, but it's enough to keep sure. the car out of the elements. Exactly. So my car started up, and I go and I pull. It. Now I'm. The weird thing is, I expected people to like drive by and see. There was nobody on the street. I know. It was like I zombie know. apocalypse time. It was. And I'm out there, and now I told Debbie I was doing this. I don't know if she looked out the window to see if I was dead, uh, because I've mentioned this before, that when I leave the house, they don't really care. Right. So now I'm out, and I'm fe- I'm warm. My head is warm. My uh-huh. torso is warm. My legs, I had uh, like running tights on under my jeans. A little cold, but okay. Everything right. was warm except for my fingertips, and I had two Re- pairs of gloves on. Two pairs? Two pairs. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not messing around. It's, it's 25 below I know, zero. I know. I'm out there, you know. All right. Well, thankfully, man, I 
I hook up the I hook up the car, and it's hard because the clamps don't want to don't right. want to move. Everything's frozen. Boom, the car starts up. I'm like, all right. So after now, you hooked it up, after I hooked okay, it up, okay, okay. So it jumped. It jumped right away. Beautiful. I run into the house. I yell to Debbie, "Keep an eye on Molly's car. I have to pull my car back in the garage." So I don't know where she was in the house, and it's not like you know. So I can. Right. Yeah, it's not a, a palatial estate. She didn't have to come from another wing, right? She was like, "Okay." okay. <laughs> she and the dogs are looking out the window, nice and warm, and I'm out there, you know, where all you can see is my eyes. <laughs> so then it was fine. Then I drove it around uh, for about a half hour again. I love the polar vortex traffic. There was nobody Nothing. on the roads. It was like I was driving through a post-apocalyptic frozen hellscape. Yeah. I loved it. But there were businesses open. I don't know because I couldn't see. out. I had no peripheral vision. I was like a horse with oh, because blinders because I had the, so much yeah, stuff I got on you. my head. I got you. So I'm just looking straight out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, the, the heat's working. This is great. The windows are... Right. Everything's... All go systems ahead. are go. Um... Then Thursday, I decided, all right, I'm not going to wait till later in the afternoon. So if I go out early, mm-hmm. it's going to start. And I went out about 1230, and it was, and on the second one, it caught, boom. Nice. So, yeah, it was fine. Yeah. But, uh, well, I had to do it on Thursday. Yeah, you uh, got to be ready for well, Friday. Well, for two reasons. Well, to be ready for Friday, but two immediate reasons. Yeah. So I was concerned that the bowling alley would be closed on of Thursday course. night. As they should have been. As they should have been. But... Very unnaturally for the bowling alley, not only were they open, but the heat was working. Really? Now, which was surprising. Let me ask you this, because I had a meeting Thursday night that was canceled and changed to a conference call because people uh, exercised their, their common sense mm-hmm. and realized they shouldn't go out. Now, right. Thursday night, despite the fact that there was a forecast that it might get to zero... And that there would be snow coming in Thursday sure. night. It was still very cold. Yes. What... And I know you're. I know you love bowling. Mm-hmm. What possessed you to leave the house at that point? Well, I had already gone out after I started the cars. I had to take Bridget's car over to get gas because. Oh no! Oh yeah, it was you down. Had not gassed up. Well, David uses it a lot to drive to work. Bridget uses it to go see her friends and not, go to the uh, store. Are they not able he, to look at the gas gauge? Yes, but he hadn't really uh, paid attention to it. So how, he had forewarned me. Listen, that's your fatherly duty to drum into people's heads. You got it. This is it's like milk, bread, toilet paper, and gas in the car. You I tell Co- Cody doesn't yeah. even have a car. I'm calling him and telling him, <laughs> make sure you have gas in the car. If you ever buy a car, make sure. I know his dad is doing the same thing because his dad is texting me. Did you tell Cody to put gas in the car? Mm-hmm. I did. He's not listening because he hasn't bought a car yet. <laughs> so, but that if you don't tell, if you don't drum into your children and spouses' heads that they have to have gas, that's that's old school dad. That's like. Keep keep your daughters off the pole. Keep your sons from uh, you know doing whatever horrible things they're going to do, and tell them to you know keep gas in the car. Well, you know how sometimes after a few seconds I sound to you like I'm a drone, kind of like. Sure, it's like okay, like Charlie Brown's parents are here right now. Exactly. So that happens with David. Uh, I have told him more than enough times to keep an eye on the car, take care of it. He does a good job, mm, but this time, like so it was less than a quarter of a tank. Oh my God! How did your how did your entire gas line not freeze? Who uh, it didn't. Their, first of all, who lets their car get that long gas? Um, Secondly, apparently my wife and son. Holy cow! Holy cremoli! <laughs> oh, wow! This is this is distressing news. Cody, make a note of this. I'm I'm somebody has to be alerted. If you. 
All right. I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So All you right, had so, to go get gas, so, which, but, is which is pleasant. two blocks away. Right. But it's so pleasant to oh, get yeah. gas in that, yeah. uh, that. But I wasn't the only one because as I'm approaching it, suddenly cars from every driveway into the gas station yeah. started flying in to get a spot. Oh. And and then so I pull up to one because her gas tank is on the right side of the car, mine's on the left, okay. on the driver's side. Oh, and you don't go to one of those places where you can stretch the hose no, to either side? No, you gotta be on the correct oh, side or turn your car around. So I pull in and I go oh I got one and I pull in and I go around and I open up the the the, the gas uh, tank uh, uh, uh the handle, cap. whatever the, the cap, cap thank yeah, you. Yeah. yeah, I know what it's called. And I go to grab the the uh, the hose and there's a red bag over it oh. saying out of service. <laughs> Which I had not seen of driving not. up because I was so excited to get to a get spot. The spot. And that's why you got the spot. So I, I oh, zoomed God. forward, zipped the car around, came around on the other side because it spotted open and I took care of it. And then I'd take mine out because, of course, yeah, I right. had to get money to uh, play some wagers on bowling. Wow, you did on not. Thursday night. You did not adequately prepare for a weather situation that had been forecasted for uh, since the beginning of time. Why basically. are you surprised? I'm not. <laughs> um, because now, Cody, you could jump in with me on this. Tuesday, <laughs> I went to the grocery store. I don't usually buy into the hype, but there were a few things that we needed, and I knew I wasn't going to want to go out. So I went to the grocery store, as young Cody did. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, well, let's, ta- let's take a quick break. Then we'll talk about the grocery store. I'll chastise Roger and his family for not having gas, because I'll, I'll wrap up the gas yeah. by going this way. Tuesday night, uh, I'm out running around, right. and I had about a little over half a tank. And I was it's like, not bad. Oh, come on. For this weather? No. It's ad- really? woefully inadequate. So I decide I'm going to go get it. And I usually go to Costco right by the house. Okay. Whip in, get the gas. They're always sure. cheaper. And they have the hoses are long, so it doesn't matter what side you're on. Oh, nice. I think I have never seen this many cars trying to get into the Costco gas station as I did Tuesday night. Mm. Um, it was every, and it's a big, it's a pretty big station. Every aisle was completely packed. The feeder road went about a block, and I'm not I'm not Whoa. exaggerating. A block of people waiting in line just to get then into the main area of the parking mm-hmm. lot. I was like, forget it. So I just I paid a little more, went to a regular old gas station. Oh, okay. Paid a little more and uh, and filled up because you know why I prepare. And you want to get angrier? Hmm. I only had half a tank. All right, I gotta go. Uh, we'll do this, and then we'll, it's. Uh, if you want to share stories of uh, how you survived, how you survived the polar vortex, and uh, if you listen, if you if you want to call Roger out on his uh, <laughs> the fact that he's not preparing his family adequately to survive we with food. their vehicles, well, what like two bags of peanuts, and then I had to go out to grow for groceries. All right, we'll do this in a second. We were uh, just chastising him because of his uh, lackadaisical uh, auto preparation. Yeah. But uh, you mentioned you went shopping Tuesday, Cody. Cody, you you brought this up before the show that you were because uh, you. You're one of these guys, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, you, yeah? don't, you don't buy into the hype, uh, so you're, you're not a guy who will panic and run to the grocery store. But I think, like me, you felt well. Maybe we should run to the store Tuesday night just to kind of lay in some essentials. I figured I'd grab a couple things. Yeah. Some of them alcohol related. Oh, see, and it was still. I cursed the fact that this was happening at the end of dry oh, January. Oh my gosh, that's right. I, forgot. I did not. I did not break. Even though, boy, those would have been the two days to sit back with some bourbon and just relax. I actually didn't end up drinking it all that day. No? Good for you. 
Was you were, was you? What about you? Was you? I tell you what, was, was you? Was you off work there days? Were you off work on Wednesday or well, Thursday, or did you work from home? Yeah, twenty. I mean, that's the thing. Like you know, I had the, my one friend, the pharmacist, that had to go in, sure. and, and I told him, I'm like, you know, yes, it's great, we get to stay home, but there's there's not really a such thing as a snow day for a lot of industries. Correct. E- even if it's closed, it's like, oh, well, you got your laptop, you can work anyway. Okay. And it, yeah. I ended up working like nine hours that day. Holy cow. So it, it doesn't, you know. Yeah, I know Debbie have, was doing some work at home too. Yeah, it doesn't have the joy it used to have. You know, if you're in school, if you're a kid, like you stay home, you are donezo. That's, hey. how, I, that's how I took it because they, they told us Tuesday that there was no school on Wednesday. I was like, yee! Well, what about Thursday? Did you no school Thursday? And then they canceled that one too. Okay. Oh yeah, you yeah. could come on. Thursday morning was as cold as Wednesday morning. I know, or but cold. Uh, you know, I'm thinking because the grandkids are in Chicago Public Schools, and so they, they didn't closed have school Thursday. No, but they closed. They announced Tuesday's clo- or Wednesday's closure Monday. Or Monday, mm-hmm. but then they said we'll let you know. Wednesday afternoon, if we're going to close Thursday, but then that's they how went my back district. To, that's how that. my district did it too. Oh, okay. But they announced it way before that, though. Yeah, they finally caved in after the union. Everyone got on it, but they they finally closed. Now, working from home, our daughter can work from home on the computer too. About ninety percent of her job, she's an office manager, okay. so she can run things sure. from home. Problem is now the two kids are home, and yeah. where are they all going to go? Uh, nowhere. Right. They're right exactly. there, too. So so it was tough for her, but... Um, Cody uh, doesn't have to worry about that. Yeah. Cody just sitting Pretty at home soon. in his underpants Pretty doing soon. his work. Pretty soon. Yup. 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 So what happened at the grocery store? That was... that was. Uh, remember Y2K? I do remember yeah. Y2K. Yeah, that was pretty much it. Like, people stocking up. <laughs> like, they were, like were going to be snowed in for seven weeks. That's what I stopped myself. <laughs> I picked up a couple things that I knew we were going to uh, make for dinner on Wednesday and Thursday, because I figured since we were home, we were going to make some uh, really hearty, warm weather kind of food. So I got that, but then I stopped myself, because I was like, I'm going to go out Friday, and if I need to leave the house... I can leave the house. Right. Yeah. It's not. I So I knew the grocery stores would be open, and God bless the people who had to go out and, and work in those conditions. And bring uh, the carts in from the parking lot. Well, that wasn't oh happening my. on Tuesday at the, uh, at the Jewel near me. No. I... It was free, you know. It's freezing Tuesday night, right. and I walked. I had to park far away because everybody and their mom was grocery shopping. And I walked all the way into the store to find no carts, and I had to walk back out. And I was under my breath. This is this is how awful of a human being I am. <laughs> under my breath, I'm cursing the the uh, the people who have not gone out to get the carts. Exactly. Oh no! And then but it's kid, not their fault. Well, it's the people who left them out in the parking lot to start with. Well, what am I? I put them in the, you put it in the corral when you're done. Uh, way too many people didn't. They're just, they just dumped them right there. Some kid tried to swipe my cart then. I what? came in, I came in <laughs> and uh, I stopped and I turned around to look at something and this kid goes, hey, you're not using this, are you? And, he tra- and I go, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. And I looked at his mom. I said, I'm sorry, but I had to walk all the way back out there to get it. And I'm thinking, this kid's 12. He could walk. Uh, you know, yeah. He's he's young. He's got his whole life ahead of him. I'm almost done. Uh, I, I already walked out there once. I'm not messing with this. And guy. I I worked at a Jewel in high school where we had to go out to the far oh, corner of the yeah. parking. And it wasn't just the Jewel lot. The lot was one of these strip malls. Sure. So it was huge mm-hmm. in the middle of winter. And you had to wear the Jewel jacket. Oh, outdoor jacket. I don't think when I was a bagger, we had, you know, I had to go out mm-hmm. in the lots and get all the, but we didn't have any specialty garments. Well, that's what you had to wear. No hat, 
freezing cold, snow drifting all oh, over the place, cool. and the jacket, your shirt is thicker than the jacket they gave us. Well, but that's that's just wrong. Somebody I know. should have put... You were part of a union back then, wasn't well, you? Well, it wasn't you, a great union. I know, it's not a great union, but yeah. somebody should say it. So did you buy your toilet paper? How much did you buy, Cody? <laughs> Would you buy a lot of toilet paper and bourbon? Was that your Tuesday night... Uh, I, I rented a U-Haul to make sure that I could just fill the whole thing yes. with toilet paper to stock That's up smart. for that you never 48 know. hours. Yeah, you don't know what you're getting. You might eat a lot of fiber in those two days to stay warm. Listen, I live 50 feet away from a Lou Malnati's and from a 7-Eleven. I mean, there, there's no way. And the weird thing is he made Malnati's deliver. What? <laughs> he made them deliver. You are sick. He could have walked down the stairs and gotten it himself. He was like, nope, I'm a one percenter today. And he made that. And you know what he tipped him? Zilch. Oh. Because he was like, you only had to come 50 feet. Isn't it like a penny a foot? None of that really happened. <laughs> <laughs> but the scary thing is everybody went, hey, sounds like Cody. <laughs> sounds, like so, sounds about right. I would do it. No, I didn't leave that house. No, no I don't blame you. No reason. Well, but I, I did make a treat, though, what, for Bridget treat? and David. I said, uh, I'm going to make myself a little hot chocolate and a little Bailey's Irish cream. Anyone else want one? And they looked at each other, and they looked at me, and they go, hmm, yeah, let me try that. I would have said, you want one? Go put gas in the car. <laughs> no, listen, <laughs> nobody gets Bailey's and hot chocolate if they leave the car under a quarter of a tank. You know what you get? What? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. You get to go outside. Do we have No. Oh, we don't have to? Okay. I wasn't sure. You never tell me anymore. You I don't just, like to tell you, you things. Assume, hey, you're you so good at radio, enough. Brian. I assume you intuit. <laughs> I assume you intuit what we have to do. I am pretty good at this. No, no more commercials before. before the news. We're just, yeah. Well, it's handy that uh, we're just about to, well, I'm glad you're here. You start your news uh, at 6 o'clock. Yep. So Pam's going to do one more. And mm-hmm. uh, Well, I'm glad you're, uh, listen, I, I, as much as I tease, I'm glad nothing horrible happened to you. Because I expected, again, I, I really expected you to be, uh, you know, you, you weren't the naked guy who was rollerblading, were you? Uh, no, it was uh, a thought for a brief second, uh, but then I said, I don't have any skates, so... You know. Yeah, and if you're one of those people who went out to... to uh, if you're an influencer, just see the pictures of the... You know, you love the social media influencers. Uh, they were out in, like, workout clothes and just go, oh, it's not that cold. You deserve to be dead. <laughs> okay? Uh, when the weather monkeys and everybody else is saying, don't go out because the weather can kill you, don't take a deep breath because your lungs could shatter like crystal, mm-hmm. uh, and you decide you're going to go out in a bikini because you want your followers to see how cool you are, <laughs> I hope you get stuck to a pole and you cannot get back in. Wow, Harsh? Brian. That's wow. right, Pam. <laughs> you know what? Sometimes nature needs to weed out the herd. <laughs> You are so cold. And I'm not talking What's colder about, than Chicago's winter? My heart, Brian Noonan. That's and what. I'm not talking about the poor people who are homeless. I'm not, not, no. If you have the capacity to be inside and be safe, and you choose for social media to go outside and throw a wet t-shirt up in the air or uh, pose in your shorts, we don't need you. Thanks for coming. Goodbye. Next. All right. Uh, let's, that's right, Cody. I'm taking a hot stance. 530 on 720 WGN. Now the woman who has judged me harshly. That's okay. I love you, Brian. You are so funny. I, like, my face hurts when I leave here. Well, <laughs> you are so funny. Well, thank you, Pam. The news is sponsored by the Tortoise Supper Club. Here's Pam Jones. Uh, we were talking about uh, we're talking about preparedness for the cold weather as it came up this week. Uh, because most, most people, I think, took this seriously. From the 331, I'm like, you, Brian, I prepare... Sunday, I bought one of those battery chargers. Uh, on Tuesday, I filled up my tank and added that gas line 
uh, treater that prevents freezing. Oh man, back in back when I was a kid, when I first started driving, and before we had a garage, my dad used to put so much heat is what the what the gas line stuff was called. Um, that I thought most of the gas tank was full of heat rather than gas. It was it was crazy. Uh, went to Walgreens, bought two uh, frozen pizzas. My work shut down Wednesday and Thursday. I called off. Used my automatic starter two to three times on both days. Had no problem. Yeah, that's what you got to do. You got to prepare. You know, you must prepare. Um, Cody came in today, and sometimes Cody likes to uh, produce the show and give me uh, ideas for things, and I'm always uh, welcome. I always welcome those, uh, despite them being few and far between, uh, and I say that as a joke. So you you came in today, and you, you seemed a little upset about uh, refrigerators, about company refrigerators. Yeah. Now, I, we have only been in these uh, lovely studios here in the Allstate Skyline studio at our new building since it was the summer, right? Like July is when we moved in. That, that, it's been that little amount of time? It's only yeah, been six maybe months? Maybe summer? Yeah, it was, it was married. Yeah, that it was sometime. about right. Yeah. yeah, all right. Um, and we have two, two full-size refrigerators that are already full of uh, garbage. Right. And they've been full of garbage since about four days into this uh, endeavor. But uh, is that what set you off today, or was this something from home? I brought in a couple, because, you know, I wake up about 10 minutes before I'm supposed to be here. Right. On Sundays. I woke. I brought in my two multi-grain waffles from Trader Joe's that I had in my freezer. Okay. Because I figure I'll get some breakfast, and I look in the two, two full-size refrigerators here, not a single bottle of maple syrup. What? Very upsetting to me. Why would you? Why would you imagine that work refrigerators would have maple syrup? And f- first and second, who puts maple syrup in the refrigerator? Everyone no. puts maple syrup in the refrigerator. A lot of people do. Mm. Do they? I put maple. I have always put maple. You know what? In fact, my hundred percent Canadian maple syrup is in the freezer. Why? Just to keep it. How are you going to use it if it's if it's in the freezer? It doesn't freeze. Then why put it in the freezer to keep it cold? Why do you want cold maple syrup on hot uh, waffles or pancakes? They they actually serve it warm in a lot of places because people don't uh, people don't want cold syrup going on hot foods. Because sometimes I'm in the mood for cold maple syrup, and other times I'm in the mood for hot maple syrup. Who's ever that? that does, I'm sorry, that doesn't make sense to me. It's easy to make maple syrup hot when it is cold. It is hard to quickly make hot maple syrup cold. So. We're at an impasse, Brian. I was surprised that you said, you know, I, I there are times in the past I, when ahead. I have not refrigerated my maple syrup. And I, w- I will tell you, it is a different experience. But uh, I think there's something to be said for the experience of having waffles with cold maple syrup. All right. Uh, let me, I will say this. If you are using one, because I, I did some research on this. Mm-hmm. If you are using 100% pure maple syrup... You should refrigerate it after opening. But if you are using, uh, like right now, uh, Thursday, I had Debbie asked if I would make pancakes during the polar vortex. And because I'm a good husband, I said yes. And we have a bottle of uh, log cabin syrup in the pantry because Molly wanted pancakes when she was home for Christmas. Now, that is, that's maple syrup, but it's not 100% pure maple syrup. And it doesn't say keep refrigerated anywhere on the bottle. So I do not. I keep it in the pantry. So it is room temperature when I pour it on my pancakes. Uh, still a little too cool. I should, uh, you know, I should actually heat it up. I do remember back in the day we had the one time 
I splurged on 100% pure maple syrup, and we did keep it in the, the refrigerator. But then I would microwave it before I used it. There is not, uh, there is no chance I'm putting cold maple syrup on hot food. It would cause some sort of thunderstorm, some you, seismic event. Do you microwave your ketchup when you put on a burger? I take my ketchup out well before dinner if we are having any sort of condiment. Uh, say, let's say, for example, if I was going home tonight and we were going to have hot dogs or hamburgers or something that would uh, require mustard or ketchup, I will call Debbie when I leave work and say, please take this out. Or if we're making chili and uh, there's a hot sauce or something or salsa and it's in the refrigerator, I will ask her to take it out so that it's at least room temperature before we use it. Huh. Yes. Yeah, I'm not putting cold things on my hot food. All right. It's counterintuitive. It, it cools down the hot food. So you, so, all right, but that, we could debate that all day, because really, uh, we don't have anything to do till six, <laughs> but we're not going to debate that all day, but my, I will go back to my original question, uh, well, it's from the 630, they put uh, a couple people saying they have, they have, uh, they put their syrup in the refrigerator, because it's, uh, it's on the label, mine is not on the label, I checked, but anyway, why would you think that there would be syrup here at work? Do you think they're having pancake breakfast that we're not invited to? What? Yes. Check that. <laughs> yes. So we know there's a lot of things here that we're not invited to. Have, but do you follow say, WGN Radio on Instagram? I do. So, all right, I'll take that part back. Yes, there's a good chance there was some sort of uh, breakfast party that we were not invited to. Um, this is, Boy, it's just like being in high school again. But anyway, <laughs> did you really think there would be syrup here? Yeah. I really did. What? At my office at work, Why? we have a thing of syrup. I don't know, because we <laughs> occasionally we have breakfast. Look, you got you all right. have a thing of syrup. I would expect there to be ketchup and mustard here. Well, maybe not mustard, but ketchup at least, because sometimes you have burgers in or whatever. I don't know. Stuff gets catered. You're in an office sure. where, where food but gets usually, catered. Yeah, but usually those are in packets. Usually. So why don't we have any syrup packets? I don't know. That's a thing that exists. I know it's a thing that do you know, exists. I'm, do you, I'm, do you know what we of... do have? We have a giant Tupperware, a huge Tupperware thing. You know, like a takeout Tupperware you'd get at a, sure. a Chinese place or whatever. It is full of grape jelly and strawberry jelly and butter, individually wrapped like the you get at a brunch place. There's All a right. whole thing of them. There's a swath of them. Now, did you know that prior to your search for syrup? Because given that information, I would say... All right, then there's a pretty good chance there may be some syrup in the building. I don't know that I was specifically aware of the jelly and the butter, but I was aware that there are other condiments. There's a whole thing of soy sauce in there. So Now, I would argue that syrup is more u- utilitarian than soy sauce, or well, whatever word I'm my, looking for. My uh, argument to that, 312-981-7200, have you gone into your office and uh, either been horrified by what was in the refrigerator or what was woefully lacking? And what what was your recourse? Do you go to your manager and say, listen, we need some things? Because there was something else refrigerator-related came up. It's an etiquette question that we'll get to after this. I would counter your, your point by saying there are more... There are more opportunities for people to eat traditionally lunch or dinner type foods here than there are breakfast foods. Because outside of uh, Steve Cochran's show in the morning, because then you get into Bill and Wendy and they're into the lunch hour. So then you'd go, okay, maybe some Chinese food or something coming in, soy sauce, then you're all through the afternoon and late into the night. Yeah, but the the whole sales staff, the whole administrative staff. But again... You know, you come into work, maybe you've had your breakfast or you have your your coffee or your muffin, and then the lunch stuff comes in. So I, I would assume then that we could have uh, 
you'd have soy sauce. But again, a full container of soy sauce does seem a little odd. It seems like a bit much, doesn't it? Right. Uh, from the 312, I have syrup at work so I can make toaster waffles. Makes, works, makes work better, I'll tell you that. See, here's the thing. You could bring it in and leave some here, but then you know it'd be gone. Yeah. Now, uh, somebody to back up my point. I love I love people will chime in. They'll help us out at 312-981-7200. Uh, my Aunt Jemima syrup container says refrigeration not required. Most people don't put uh, syrup in the fridge. In my 27 years of working at my parent company, no one has brought syrup to work. And if they did, it would be their food. And you shouldn't take it without asking. Perfect, which leads me to the conundrum that was happening in the faculty lunchroom the other day. Oh. Because there was a debate amongst teachers uh, regarding condiments, if your name is on them or not on them. The the criterion was, if your name, there was a huge bottle of ranch dressing that somebody used a little bit of. Not a lot, but a little. And it didn't have a name on it. And they their argument was, well, if it doesn't have a name on it, it's obviously here for everyone to share. Whereas if somebody has a bottle of salad dressing and they put their name on it, then you can't take that. So name means open season, or name means restricted. No name means open season. And this was the big debate. Because uh, obviously we don't have anything else to talk about. It's cool. Uh, I and I tended to agree with that. I think if somebody just how, puts how a, can you uh-oh. assume that? <laughs> oh, no. Guess who's back? Wait a minute. How can you assume that if something is in the refrigerator with no name on it, that you are allowed to use it? If you didn't bring it, know? it's what? not yours to use. Thank you, Pam Jones, for agreeing. All right, listen, two against all, one. Don't don't take that tone with me, man who doesn't fill up his car before sub-zero temperatures. Don't all of a sudden decide you're going to start laying down the law when you can't even police your own garage. Don't I'm not worried at, about my garage. Me I'm worried about what's attitude. in the refrigerator. Don't come at me with your attitude if I take a squirt of ketchup when you're risking your entire gas line freezing up because you can't control your car. I know there will be home. a thaw. Afterwards, I do not know that my ketchup will still be there because I brought it and you didn't. All right, first of all, did you bring ketchup? No, I don't have to bring of ketchup. Course you don't I don't to. use ketchup all here. Right. Do you have a condiment in the refrigerator? Um, trying to think. No. No. He ran I out actually... of ketchup because he put it in his gas can. Oh, sure. That makes no, sense. No, I didn't. <laughs> That makes more sense. I did have something here in a Tupperware container, like an extra meal, Uh and it disappeared. That's wrong. No. I shouldn't have to worry about putting my name on it. I said it was wrong. Hey, hey, hold hold on. I said it was wrong. Okay. You may want to hold your argument until you have something to argue about, because I was agreeing with you. was agreeing. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't. Thank you, Cody. It is so infrequent that you do. Roger's not listening to this show at all. I don't know what... uh, Now, Roger's got a point. It is so infrequent that you agree that it's just... Yeah, really. It shocked me. How could you ever work at a place that has no maple syrup? Trust me, it's very difficult. Thank you, Um, 773 Texter. This is what I'm saying. I would would agree that overall you, you shouldn't just take things that aren't yours. But if in a pinch... You need a squirt of something, and there's no name on it. I Like, if there was a name on it, I would text you and go, Hey, Roger, I'm at work, and I need a little ketchup. Can I, you know, can I have a squirt of your ketchup? I would or, say yes. Sure, of course you would. Or or I would take a squirt of your uh, your mustard, and then when I saw you on Sunday, I'd say, Hey, I used some of your mustard. Uh, here's seven cents. Relax, big spender. I wouldn't worry about the seven of course, cents. Of course you wouldn't. But in a pinch, if there's no name, I can't get it. And what am I going to do? Not eat? 
Uh, no, you, know, you you do what I do. You, you want to complain you, and then argue with people? No. Who agree with you? <laughs> <laughs> is that is that what the? She's that, going next? crazy over here. She is going. You're gonna crazy. kill Pam, Brian. You I'm can't. sorry. <laughs> Blueberry syrup needs refrigeration. By the way, from the eight four seven. All right, hang on. Hang on, we got to do this, and then uh, we'll we'll get to the bottom of this one way or another. So this is all right. This is the debate. If there's a name on it, obviously you don't take it. What if there's no name and you need you need just a little bit of a condiment? I'm not talking about somebody's meal. If obviously if there's a meal in Tupperware, that's somebody you know somebody's going to eat that. You don't just take that. But what if somebody gets a delivery of something here and it's in there? We don't know if it was from if did was it contributed all there's a lot of stuff going on a lot of office politics you feel free to jump in 312-981-7200 again our ability to tap into the most uh, divisive topics a uh, hot talk just rolls on at WGN uh for your work fridge if condiments do not have a name uh do you feel free to use them and i'm not talking about taking a ton of it but if you need a little a little bit and there's no name okay now obviously you didn't bring it in so maybe the uh, Maybe then you bring in a bottle and leave it open and let everybody else use that one, too. I think that uh, that's fine. We had a guy from the 708. We had a guy who would take extra juice at meetings for himself, and he would put the extras in the refrigerator. When they came up missing one day, he wrote a nasty note and called everyone dirty dogs. Well, uh, he's a jerk because those were not his juices to begin with. Uh, Listen, Brian from Montana. Work refrigerators are understood to be communal unless you put your name on it. Yes, uh, from the 331, condiments with no name are free to use. I'd argue it requires a date as well. Uh, let's see. I had salad dressing labeled with my name and room number in the fridge in the lounge. I walked into the lounge to find my boss swiping it from the fridge because she had forgotten hers. Now, that's that's unconscionable. If there's identifying marks, you ask permission. You know? But... Uh, if people put stuff in the fridge and don't label it, they want to share it or forget about it. That's from Carrie. See, Roger? A lot uh, of people disagreeing. So I grew we up have with- a benefit here that almost everybody who doesn't have their own office... Most of us. <laughs> okay. Which is oh, everybody. The proletariat, the working man does the, not have yeah, an office. Yeah, right. So we have little lockers. Little YMCA... Bus wet- station lockers. Yeah. Bus station locker. You're bus right. Station yes. Lockers. Yeah. Just like being at the bus station. Yeah. Which I, is how uh, I take my shower. Here right. Too, which is why like I, I bring a lot of quarters with me. Yeah. Um, well, that's for the booths you stop at on the way. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. You won't talk about that. So, if, since I understand most human behavior in a workplace environment, having been in more than my fair share of them over the decades, um, <laughs> Uh, I keep those things that I would love to share, but that I want to make sure are there when I'm at work in ample supply so that I am not wanting. And I keep those locked in my locker. As you should. Right. But you also bring in things and leave them out without names on them, and people are free to share them. And and I'm okay with that, but I don't leave them in the refrigerator. With well, the exception of that one dinner, right? But if it was, but I hadn't eaten half of it. I understand. No, you know? I'm, listen, I'm not arguing that them taking your dinner was right. That's obvious. Plus, who's going to eat somebody's half-eaten dinner? It, that's just that's just creepy. Yeah. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Mike wants to weigh in. Hi, Mike. Thanks for taking my call, Roger. I back you one hundred percent. The rule is: if you don't put it in, don't take it out. Don't be a freeloader. We had this problem at work. First, it starts off with the condiments. 
Then it goes to the beverages. Then it's the dinners and the desserts. And they think it's for anybody. So what you have to do is you have to put in something when you know somebody that mooches is there and you spike it with an X-lax or a blood thinner like Coumadin. Oh, my goodness. They'll learn their lesson. Wow. Uh, that's harsh, but thank you for the call. I, uh, we cannot condone that. That is, I've heard that kind of thing. Again, if somebody, had, if somebody has a name on it, Mike making the case that condiments are a gateway drug to thievery, full-blown thievery. So if I take a squirt of mustard, next thing you know, I'm taking a full turkey dinner. I don't see the correlation. I'm not sure if I can make that, if I can go along with Mike on that jump. That giant jump. And I also can't see potentially poisoning my coworkers because I lost a sprite. That seems seems like a, a gross overreaction. Again, I'm not the kind of guy, you know, if I and I haven't done this because I don't bring thing I bring what I need and then I eat it. You know? Uh, so if people want to use ketchup at work, you've got thirty people each bringing a bottle of ketchup and there's a bunch of ketchup in the fridge taking up all the room. Yes. I think I think if you don't want somebody to use it, you put their, your name on it. If you put if you put something in there, because quite frankly, how long does it take to go through a bottle of ketchup? It's not like we're making tomato soup with it here. There, you know, a bottle of mustard is going to last a long time. Even if every day somebody took a squirt of mustard, it's still going to last you a long time. If you put your name on it, that's it. But Pam made a point that you may take a squirt of mustard and later in the day someone else may take the squirt. And as the week goes on, when you walk in for your squirt of mustard on whatever sandwich you're putting together, there's no mustard Put your name on it. Then nobody's going to take it. But and if you shouldn't do, have to worry about that. Well, That's see, what I'm saying. Yeah, if, but how do, you know, how do you know what's community property and what's not? If you... Like we just said, if you didn't put it there, you don't take it out. There's a lot of things you you don't put here. You, you know, I didn't put any of this stuff in the I didn't put any of this stuff in the uh, the newsroom when you're there when you put your uh, crazy candies and your pastries out. But it's out, so you kind of know it, it's in the refrigerator and it's not labeled. You know, again, you're not you're not taking the whole bottle. And I'll be happy. You know what? And if I know, if I know that I've used the community mustard or what I've mistaken for the community mustard, mm-hmm. you know what I'll do? Next time I'm at Jewel, I'll drop a dollar eighty nine. I'll bring in a bottle, a new bottle of mustard, uh, to put which in is there. what I've done before. Sure, you know, All you right. you add, but but I think we're talking about the extreme cases where you know the people who come in, use the stuff, don't tell anyone. They'll use the last bit of it. They won't ask anyone. They won't ask around. <laughs> And they won't replace. Wow. This is what we're talking about. Yes. This is why. It's why. <laughs> right, here, the back. Know, here's the thing, friends. <laughs> we're at work. We shouldn't be eating anyway. Come in here and go to work. Right. Nobody needs to be Wait, eating we here. We do no, need no, to no, eat. No, no, nobody needs to be eating here. We're here to work. <laughs> Humans you're, need to eat, Brian. Eat, eat before you come to work and eat after you're done with work. You're I'm here, here for eight hours. You're here to work. I am legally required to eat. <laughs> 15 minute break. By law. Really, we're on the air for four hours. <laughs> oh, you're, you're four and his four. If you're, four, if you're here for eight hours, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> I have uh, podcasts. I'm here for eight hours. The There's not a chance that what you podcast from this show takes you four hours. <laughs> I am lauded by the WGN Radio audience for my podcasting uh, quickness and speed. Well, that, that takes away from your point as it is. If you could do it so fast and speedy, no, it's you don't because need I four stay. Hours. It's because I stay after the show to do it. I don't go home and do it. Boo-hoo. It's because I stay. Extra My point time. is, bring a, then bring something you can consume self-contained. A protein bar, perhaps a uh, gerbil-like water bottle that you strap around your neck. I had chicken like teriyaki. That. That's, uh, see, too much effort. You're going to leave some of that somewhere. There's going to be a sesame seed. Somebody's going to eat it. You're going to have a conniption. <laughs> 
I don't know what's going on in this place anymore. I, Listen, somebody needs to take this place to task. You know, people coming in, they're eating, they're lounging around. What do we think this is? This is not Club Med. We're coming in here to work. we got to sweat to make this rare. This is not easy. Sounds like there's a lot of fun being had in the newsroom, Yeah, there's too much fun in the newsroom. That's the problem. I'm just sitting here. How about you do this? I'm just sitting here. How about you bring a nice insulated bag and you keep your own stuff in there? Why do you think I don't even use my locker? Why do you think I walk out of this place like a bag man every time I'm here? Oh, I by have the way, everything been, I need right on me. I've been meaning if to talk I to you about that locker. Back, if I never come back, there's nothing here that I need. Can I can I rent the locker? No, You're not using it. I got to do this. <laughs> oh man, you know what? Then we're we're gonna have something to eat after this because our our friends from the Trotter Project are gonna come in and join us. Oh, the Steve Cocker Show celebrates the most valuable person on the planet. Weekday mornings at 720 on 720 WGN Chicago. Smart speaker users, just say play WGN Radio on TuneIn. The news is sponsored by Team Hochberg. But right now, I am very happy to uh, welcome into the studio uh, Tyler Jorstad and uh, Chef Ian Vokes. Uh, Tyler is with the Trotter Project. They are having a uh, a big night of cocktails and fundraising Tuesday, February 12th at uh, the Three Squares Diner. Three Squares Diner is at 1020 West Lawrence. Uh, welcome to both of you. Very glad to have you here. Good to uh, good to see you. Hey, it's great to be here, Ty. Tyler. Tyler's very nervous that he is uh, he is going to dry up, but uh, you'll be fine. Just get up uh, nice and close to that microphone, and uh, you know nobody. It's it's just us. Don't don't think about anybody else out there. It's just us hanging around. Oh, this water is is, is saving me here. That's that's good. So uh, we all we're all familiar with uh, the great Charlie Trotter. What is the Trotter Project? Uh, yeah, the Trotter Project is a 501c3 nonprofit. Uh, we're about to uh, celebrate our five year anniversary in June. Um, our mission is to carry on the legacy of Chef Charlie Trotter and his incredible legacy of uh, mentorship and excellence uh, through uh, creating uh, scholarships and, and community youth programs for the next generation of hospitality and culinary uh, leaders. So, where do these, where do the uh, the nominees or the the potential winners, where do they come from? Uh, right here in the city of Chicago. Okay. Uh, some of our underserved neighborhoods. Um, and uh, from there, they are... These are student, uh, students or...? or? Uh, we serve K through 12. Uh, okay. We have some really exciting community garden, garden projects coming up this summer. Uh, but also, uh, the, as far as the scholarships go, uh, the, the scholars uh, are here in Chicago, but they, they are uh, attending universities and culinary and hospitality programs okay. all over the country, from Iowa to Florida to New York. Very nice. So you said this is the fifth year for the for the scholarships. What have uh, I'm sure there's success stories with the first four winners. What are they What are they up to? Uh, with this uh, event uh, that we're doing with Three Squares, uh, we have a uh, we like to utilize all of our scholars uh, for our um, all of our events. And Esme Lorenzo, uh, second year uh, scholar from uh, Washburn uh, Culinary Institute, uh, she's going to be with uh, Ian Vokes here. Um, uh, making some amuse bouche with us, oh. uh, and uh, so uh, we like to. I love to say amuse bouche, uh, but I can't remember what it is. Uh, I th- which I've, I feel I've, now Ian's looking at me with, <laughs> with such judgment I love and shame. It too. What is amuse bouche? <laughs> Uh, it's it's like a one or two bite, something to sort of okay. start your night. It's it, it sounds it's, fancier it's like than a, just one bite. It's a way bite. to awaken the palate. Oh, all right. So when I you're need there, my bush amused. Yeah, it's like you're there and you're ready to eat a meal, and you get a little one or two bite that's just ah. delectable, and you're like, I can't wait for the rest of the meal to come. Ah, very like nice. A moose bush. A moose bush, sure, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but <laughs> 
Wow. I've, uh, now I feel, I feel well, I feel le- like I learned something, but I also feel dumb for, uh, you know, not knowing exactly what that was. So, Tyler, you, you, what are you looking for for these scholarship recipients? Obviously, they're in, the, they're in, they want to go into the hospitality industry, the culinary industry. They're, they're looking at, but what, what sets these, the people who've won up to this point, the scholarship, what sets them apart from the other people who are, you know, also studying that and, and aspiring to follow in Chef Trotter's footsteps? Uh, when we look at our uh, uh, possible scholarship recipients, uh, you know, we like to see uh, uh, just just a lot of enthusiasm and and uh, um, uh, just just the the spirit of Charlie Trotter, uh, which is just to to bring a lot of excellence into every every area of life, yeah. um, and so. We we don't just uh, think about our, our scholars in the kitchen. We think about them um, in all areas of the the culinary and hospitality industry, um, and uh, yeah. And so you're looking. This is something. While the scholarship co- is once a year, this is a project that goes on throughout the year. You mentioned you had some uh, different programs for K to twelve. Obviously, kindergartners are not uh, you know uh, toiling away in kitchen somewhere, hoping one day be a chef. But some kids are already you know they're helping cook at home. They're they're thinking about that stuff. Besides the community gardens that you mentioned, what other what other things for young kids does the Toronto Project do? Uh, last year we launched our uh, first ever. Uh, summer school culinary program, oh, uh, which is really exciting. That sounds really uh, cool. For what a- what ages is that? Uh, that's that's in the middle school. Okay, middle school range. Yeah. And what is that? Is that public school? What? what uh, who who can be involved in that? Uh, we work with uh, a number of schools all over uh, um, the city, uh, in in the underserved uh, okay. neighborhoods of Chicago. And what are they? What are these kids? What did they learn in their first summer? Because that sounds that's a it's a skill. Even if you don't want to, if you don't inspire aspire to be a chef like Ian, it's good to know how to cook. So what what were they what were they showing these kids during the summer? Absolutely, we like to we like to uh, bring an educational uh, uh, program that that. Uh, kind of takes on the the entirety of of the process. Uh, the farm to table movement has uh, been huge uh, uh, lately, and we like to um, kind of honor that and and bring that to uh, like a garden to classroom okay. uh, uh, style. Of I think one of the things that Charlie Trotter was known for was bringing <coughs> seasonality to oh, the forefront, okay. and so a lot of that's something like community gardens within Chicago. You're only working with the ingredients that you have on hand, and luckily within Chicago in the summer, you can grow a lot of things. Yeah. But, uh, you know, in the winter, it can be a little bit harsher, and you sort of have to scrounge around. But the idea that, that Charlie Trotter brought around was that you should be using the ingredients and having them be the focus of a lot of things and doing things simply and yeah. just having, like, literally pull this potato out of the ground and serve it. Very minimally, you know, applied, and you'll have the best tasting potato that you've ever had. And sort of, and if something's out of season, it's out of season. Yeah, we're not going to bring it in from around the globe. Yeah, it's like especially in Chicago. All right, you're not going to have tomatoes right now. Yeah, things popping up like that. So, you know, something as simple as that. I think Charlie Trotter was a big influence on a lot of people in the world, and and even with me too. You know, and so with with these kids and doing their summer projects and community gardens, I'm sure they have a lot of hands-on projects that that are showing them how to cook with what's available. Yeah, that's very cool. Now, Ian, what's your background? What before you became the uh, chef and owner, the executive chef and owner at Three Squares? What uh I, what was your story? I've been cooking professionally for about 15 years now, 
um, mostly within Chicago. Um, I studied a lot under Jeff Morrow, who's also a Charlie Trotter alum okay. um, at Jam Restaurants. And uh, just recently, this past June, I opened Three Squares Diner with the people from Jam as well. Oh, okay. So uh, I'm starting my own venture there. Very nice. And we'll find out more about Three Squares Diner in just a minute. Uh, I know, Tyler, you thought you were off the hook because I started talking to Ian, but I'm going to ask you uh, this again. So tell us uh, tell us what people can expect if they come to this, because the, the event on the 12th is open to the public. People can come in, and it's no charge, correct? Uh, correct, yeah. So people can come to this night of uh, fundraising. We, we, you want to give some money. If you're coming in for something, you, you know, cough up some dough to, to keep the uh, the project going. Uh, what what can they expect when they come? Besides amuse-bouche, which I'm uh, very excited <laughs> now to, uh, you know, I have to ask, did the middle schoolers, when they came to the summer, did they know what amuse-bouche was? Um, Everybody does except for you, Brian. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. What can, <laughs> what can we expect when we, when we show up at Three Squares Diner on uh, February 12th? Uh, well, you'll see me. I'll be uh, bartending. Oh, very nice. Uh, yeah. Are you a bartender? Uh, by trade, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, very nice. Uh, and we are uh, teaming up with our uh, corporate sponsor, uh, Treaty Oak Distillery. Uh, they are new to market. I was going to say I have not heard of them before. Yeah, they uh, they have a line of whiskey and gin, and uh, so we'll be mixing up some cocktails. Very nice. Uh, with with that. So they're the corporate sponsor. Where are they out of? They're they're out of Austin, Texas. Oh, a very hip and trendy Austin, Texas. We love it down there. Uh, so we're going to try some of that. So they they'll come in. They can try some of these uh, wonderful cocktails from Treaty Oaks, and they can have some amuse bouche, and they can mingle. And uh, w- will all the past scholars be there? All four. I know you said uh, the second year. Uh, Esme Lorenzo was going to be there. Will Will the other recipients be there as well? Uh, we, you know, we're inviting all to get of them. To, yeah, yeah, hoping they will, hoping they will show up. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Treaty Oaks. We'll talk about a Three Squares Diner, and uh, I will remind you to go to the trotterproject.org and you can uh, you can get all the information about the night of cocktails and fundraising at Three Squares Diner. It is uh, an industry night that is open to the public from five to nine on February 12th, Tuesday, February 12th. So uh, go and check that out. We'll talk more with the guys on the other side. It is WGN. Tyler Jorstad from the Trotter Project is here, and uh, Chef Ian Vokes from Three Squares Diner. He is the executive chef and owner. He's also uh, was also chef at Jam in Logan Square. They are here because the Trotter Project is having a wonderful event on Tuesday, February 12th, from 5 to 9 at Three Squares Diner, which is at 1020 West Lawrence. It is to help raise funds for the Trotter Project. If you go to trotterproject.org, you can get all the information. Now, uh, Tyler, you said you were, you were a bar tender and we are the corporate uh, the corporate sponsor for this event is treaty oak distillery now uh you said they're new to the market how hard is it for a brand obviously you're working closely with them how hard is it for a brand to break into a market like chicago where people are you know people are willing to try new things but we're pretty set in what we like to drink is it is it tough for a new brand like this to come in um i think i think when it's this good? I don't. I don't think they're going to have too much of a difficulty. Very nice. So, what did you? You have a. You have a lovely concoction over there. That uh, yeah, I brought a couple. Yeah, what do you got? A couple cocktails for you today. Uh, one is a uh, kind of a riff on an aviation with their Waterloo Number no. Nine gin. A um, lot of lavender in that gin. Uh, so I thank I, you, Cody. I I I played with it with an. Uh, Ooh. Uh, did aviation. you create these drinks? Uh, I did. Yeah. What is yeah. now? So what is? It's the gin. It's the number nine gin. The uh, 
Waterloo. Treaty Oak, Waterloo Gin. Waterloo, yeah, Waterloo Gin. Okay, and what else is in there? Uh, they, there is some uh, cherry liqueur, uh, some uh, homemade lavender syrup, Ooh. and a little bit of lemon juice. It's delicious. Light, refreshing. It makes you forget that it's, uh, you know, freezing outside. Yeah, if you close your eyes. <laughs> yeah, you, you think, oh, I'm sitting somewhere warm on a veranda with a nice warm breeze blowing over me. Is, uh, in your experience... Do people, I know gin very popular, we were just in, I was just in London, everybody over there drinks gin. Is uh, clear liquor versus whiskeys, is there, is there an edge? Does one have an edge here in the city more so than another? Oh, I think it's, it's all about the whiskey in, in, in Chicago. But, yeah. yeah, but gin, uh, you know, gin can battle to, uh, for dominance. It's, it's not going anywhere. It's not know? going anywhere. This is very, this is delicious. So th- now, are, is it? They're they're coming into the market. Are they available? Can we go to a Binnie's or our local liquor store and pick them up? Yeah, they're new to market. They're getting into more places. Uh, the best place to get uh, the full lineup of Trudy Oak uh, liquor is at Provisions in Uptown. Okay. Uh, actually, right around the corner from uh, Three Squares Diner. Three Squares Diner, which we're going to get into uh, because I've been looking at the website, and as I said to you, and whoever does your uh, the pictures on the website, <laughs> man, oh man, if the food tastes half as good as the pictures make it look, this place is going to be a uh, go gangbuster. So you you mentioned you opened in you opened in June. You've been at Jam, so you're you're used to being in a place that's doing pretty well. What are what are the challenges when you're opening a new place? Because it's conventional wisdom says it's always tough opening a new restaurant, even yeah. if even if you've done this before. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I think uh, some of the hurdles that we've experienced uh, while the the past six months have been um, just sort of getting people aware of the business. You yeah, know, everybody has their go to spots or you know, places that they want to check out or the hot new places. And, and if you're not, uh, you know, on the pulse exactly about everything, yeah, uh, you know, you can miss spots. And within Chicago, there are new openings and closings every, every day. Yeah, every week. It's, it's outrageous. You know, you can sort of catch up on things every couple of months, but trying to keep up with that on a regular basis can be tough. So for us, it's being known and having people be aware of us and uh, know that, you know, they're going to get great food and great service at our place, and we want them to come back. Um, and we're just off the red line, just a little bit east of the Aragon. So okay. we're able to sort of uh, touch base with a lot of uh, late-night crowd with the Aragon, the Riviera, the Green Mill is right there. Okay. We're, we're just a block away from all of those venues. And so uh, we're able to sort of try to capitalize on a little bit of that, as well as, you know, the Uptown Theater is, yeah. uh, they just got that big... Um, you know, I don't know who put the money forward, but uh, they got it, you yeah. know seventy five million to open that place up within two years. So it's that's a nice. big plus. And, oh yeah, and Double Door is opening just a couple blocks from us too. So you're right in that neighborhood. And people here, at diner, how do you put a new twist on? You know, a di- diners are historic, and people love love diners for all the right reasons: the the hours, the food. How do you then take that concept and turn it and make it your own? Uh, we try to take something as like a title of a dish let's say like uh, a meatloaf sandwich okay and we'll apply maybe a different technique to it where we'll take the meatloaf and think of it as more of a classic dish and think about the terrine mold and we'll take uh, pork and chicken as our proteins instead of ground beef which is maybe more of an american classic as far as diners are concerned right uh and we'll think about it more in uh classic terms and so i actually brought uh, a sample of that with me today uh where it's it's basically like a country pate 
uh, that's got folded pistachios and dried apricots in it. And we also uh, spread a little chicken liver mousse over the top to give it a little richness. Um, wow. But it's, you know, what we do is what we, we call it a meatloaf sandwich right. on the menu. And that's just the title of it, which <laughs> sure. can be very unassuming um, mm-hmm. and can be unexpected for when people see what they arrive. Of course, we describe the dish of, on yeah, the menu. It's, it's not right. like we totally <laughs> surprise them. And it's like, here you go. Here's your meatloaf. This is where's, nothing like meatloaf. <laughs> where's the ketchup, yes, you know? Where's, where's the brown <laughs> gravy? Where's, where's the beef? Where's yeah. The, you know. uh, but so, but people are looking for that, right? They... While they want, while they want the feel of the and the comfort of a diner, they still wanna they wanna elevate the yeah. the classic cuisine of that diner to something a little nicer, for lack of a better term. Yeah, and and you know we we're trying to be as conscious as possible with things like that, where yeah. we take into account where we source our food, uh, because we think it's really important and responsible for a restaurant to do such things. You know, think about the long term effects of where you can source your proteins or your produce or your grains, you know, sort of thinking about the future a little bit more. And so, you know, we'd love to load up everything with a bunch of fat and cream and butter and make everybody happy <laughs> with that meal. But at the same time, you know, you, you can't do that with right. every meal. And, and we understand that, you know, we'll be able to make things delicious as, you know, a la Charlie Trotter, you know, use the ingredients simply and let them shine right? and not have to, you know, you know, loaded up with unnecessary ingredients and obviously for chefs the farm to table movement was a big thing how did when did you see that start trickling down to patrons where the people now are really paying attention to you know they go into a place like three squares diner or or another restaurant and they go oh i like to know where my food came from when did when did it pass from just an industry thing to everybody being cognizant of this it's hard to pinpoint that. I think, uh, you know, menus we saw more frequently than within the past five or seven years have been noting farms on their menus in particular. And so people are, you know, noticing and they'll, they'll see farm names more frequently at different places that they'll, they'll go to, um, which makes them ask questions when they're there yeah. and they'll say like, Oh, well, where do you get your eggs or where do you get your pork? Because I saw Berkshire at, you know, this X restaurant or whatever. And, and, you know, like, where do you get yours? You know, and they, and they like to have that conversation because it gives it a more personal touch. And right. I think that people, when they go out, they're looking for more of that as well. They're like, I want to be more connected to the restaurant. It's not just this plate of food. It's everything. It's the ideology behind the place. Right. And, it's, and it's a lot more that they're, thinking about and so i i don't know i think it's within the past five or ten years that people have been much more conscious of it and i think for the better uh, in, and is in it whole. i mean obviously obviously chefs have a strong feeling about this for people who still are not really clear on this concept is there a big difference in flavors is if i go if i have something that's obviously you know vegetables people you freshness is at the forefront there but like with meats and stuff, is there is there a big difference? Yeah, there absolutely is. I think, you know, on a <clears throat> on a very tangential level, like the happiness of the animal can also be portrayed in how you taste it. That goes from the feed that you give it. If you don't feed it a bunch of sort of unnecessary grains or corn, you know, it's not a singular diet. It's more of a balanced diet that gives them a lot more nutrients naturally then you'll see that production within the tissue of the meat. And so huh. 
something like that can take a major effect as well as sort of the care of the animals, you know, whether or not they're kept in confined uh, cages or restraints can also affect, you know, tissue and, you know, the farm really? and, and sort of like the feed. Okay. And, and a lot of that, you know, when, when farms are large and have a lot of uh, livestock is a lot of the the runoff from the livestock, so to speak. Okay, gets back And in, so, uh, you know, it's like a lot of that will be refed then to them, you know, either indirectly through the feed that they get that they also grow around the farm and, and sort of things like that. It's sort of, it's very cyclical. And so okay. if you're able to have a little bit more control with that by, um, you know, treating your animals a little bit better and feeding them a little bit better feed in a sense, then, you know, it just continues on that path and can make a bigger difference in, in the texture and flavor of what you're eating. Very nice. We'll, we'll talk about some of the food that you brought, talk a little bit more about Three Squares Diner and the big event that is happening for the Trotter Project at Three Squares Diner, a night of cocktails and fundraising. It is open to the public, uh, no cost to get in, but uh, then you will be... Uh, how's it? Well, you can tell us how it's going to work, because if it's no cost to get in, uh, Tyler, we got to figure out how we're going to get uh, people to get... Are you going to shake them down? Are you going to pick their pockets? We'll talk about that after the news. Uh, but if you want to learn more about the uh, the event, you can go to the Trotter Project. Org. Uh, threesquaresdiner.com is the website for the Three Squares Diner, which is at 1020 West Lawrence. More with uh, Tyler Jorstead and Ian Vokes on the other side of the news. Uh, we got to do this, and then it is news time on 720 WGN. In studio with me, Tyler Jorstead from the Trotter Project. He is also... Uh Mixing up some drinks at their big night of cocktails and fundraising. The Trotter Project will be doing that at Three Squares Diner, 1020 West Lawrence in Chicago. It's Tuesday, February 12th from 5 to 9, thetrotterproject.org. We were talking, uh, and Ian, Chef Ian Vokes is here. He is the executive chef and owner of Three Squares Diner, uh, and he's brought in some stu- uh, some uh, tasty food that we will uh, talk about in a moment. But Tyler, you were saying that you're, you're fairly new with the Trotter Project, and for people who weren't here at the beginning, the Trotter Project, uh, besides the scholarship, you work with underserved schools to try to help out. And you were saying, um, you know, you're seeing some of the projects as you go- went down to uh, went down to the south side. Some of these schools, the you guys are doing good work with uh, with these. And uh, just a qu- quick recap: some of the programs that you're doing with some of these underserved schools. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, school garden projects, uh, vegetable gardens. Uh, which uh, they learn to grow the food and then also uh, cook them in the classroom. Uh-huh. Uh, culinary summer camps uh, where students get to go to the farm and see see where the food's being nice. made and uh, work with some of uh, our, our globally recognized uh, wonderful network of chefs that we, we team up with them with, with our students. Um, and um, and in a lot of these neighborhoods, it's great to teach these kids how to grow their own stuff because a lot of these schools are in these food deserts where they don't have access. You know, they're not running out to the Jewel or Trader Joe's or whatever. So if you could teach a kid, listen, if you have just a small patch of ground in, in the back of your building, you can grow some things and you can eat, you know, you can have some healthy, good, healthy things to eat. Yeah, a lot of our students have never cooked before, yeah, and uh, and it can be a really empowering experience for them. So uh, we try to uh, deliver that experience for them so they can feed themselves and uh, feed feed their community. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's a really I think it's a really rewarding, uh, empowering experience. Uh, Very for, worthwhile for organization. The Trotter. Now we've mentioned before 
that you can go. That This is open to the public on February 12th at Three Squares Diner. We also know that Ian and uh, Esme Lorenzo, who was the second-year scholarship recipient of the uh, the scholarship through the Trotter Project, will be making a moose-bouche, which I learned is just uh, basically small bite appetizers. But they like to dress it up so it sounds fancier than it, uh, you know. It, it's it, I like it. It's intimidating and yet accessible. A moose-bouche. So it's no charge to come in, but it's a fundraiser. How are we going to get money out of these people? Because, let's be honest, Tyler... It's all nice to get people to give people uh, nice, uh, wonderful drinks from uh, made with Treaty Oak Distillery Gin and Whiskey, which is the corporate sponsor. Uh, that's all well and good, but we got to get some dough out of these people. How are we going to get the <laughs> dough out of them? Well, we're going to make them drinks, and Perfect. The, the drinks are not free. Ah, there so you go. Good. Okay. Yeah, there's that. Uh, but uh, we also encourage uh, anybody to visit our website at thetrotterproject.org and uh, help support our, our mission. Very nice. Yeah. So besides this lovely gin drink that uh, you made, which is, you said a takeoff on an aviator, was that correct? Uh, aviation. Aviation. Uh, what other kind of drinks, will, what other specialty drinks will you have that night? Uh, I've also got a, a final word. Okay. Uh, Given Brian Noonan a final word. Oh, very like nice. That. I like uh, that. Uh, is that in here too? It is, yeah. Oh, I see, Cody only brought me one. Oh, he, I think, I think oh, Cody, he took Cody took the, Cody uh, took the, other <laughs> the final word. What was the final I, word made of? You got the final word. It's a. Uh, it's with uh, Treaty Oaks Red Handed Rye Whiskey. Ooh, a uh, little green chartreuse, uh, lemon juice, and some uh, cherry liqueur. It sounds delicious. It was delicious. It was. See, all right. <laughs> I hope you're happy. I figure you get to sample one. I get to sample one. Sure. I, look, I'm a. I'm a whiskey guy. You are a whiskey guy. And this, and I smelled it, and <laughs> I was handing you the one, and I smelled the other, and I and thought you to myself, snatched it. you know, I, I, uh, no, but uh, That's every, good. So how did you like it? Every ingredient you just said popped out. I mean, I could taste the lemon. I could taste. It was. It was just really good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. This is, really good. this is incentive to get to uh, Three Squares Diner on uh, Tuesday, February twelfth from 5 to 9 to enjoy one of these and help out the Trotter Project. All right, let's uh, let's go back to Three Squares Diner and Ian Vokes. So you brought in a couple trees. Now, we mentioned you were talking about the meatloaf sandwich before. Yeah. Because people will go, oh, it's a diner. That's I, I love diners. I can go in and get, you know, uh, biscuits and grill, whatever. Uh, but you are you are elevating things a little yeah. bit. So what, mean, are, what have you brought in today? Yeah, we've, like we said earlier, we have the meatloaf sandwich, uh, which we treat it like a terrine. Uh, and it explain, comes. Explain on, that term for people. Uh, terrine is basically the mold that it's that it's baked in. Okay. Uh, so we have pig and chicken, um, maybe the not so uh, desirable parts of those animals. Okay. Uh, we use that uh, together and sort of form the loaf. Uh, we bake it in water and then oh. we press it so that it sort of presses together and and all the fat congeals and creates this beautiful texture within. Ooh. And you'll see the, on a cross-section, you'll see these beautiful pistachios and apricots and this interwoven of pork and chicken um, within the meatloaf. And it's then we just slice it, Sounds warm delicious. it, and serve it on a sandwich with some uh, pickled vegetables and crispy ciabatta bread and some chicken liver mousse. So there's there's a lot going wow. on. It sounds but when like, you, yeah. When you try it, you'll just know that it's a bite that you'll want to continue to have. It sounds delicious. I can't wait. And what else is that? Uh, was there something else? Uh, yeah, we brought a couple of things here. We also have a chicken sandwich, which uh, is one of our more popular items. Uh, our chicken is is uh, to die for. Really? Uh, yeah. It's, what makes uh, it? What sets it apart? Uh, we we brine it for a couple of days with a lot of dried chilies, uh, and then we use. Uh, 
a hot rub that we make in house uh, that's got. Um, I feel like I'm st- stealing KFC's line or something. No, like, listen, uh, ten magic spices. Listen, that's, <laughs> that's, chefs are, are mad scientists to a certain. They're artists and scientists, and so yeah, it makes sense that you would have a lot of different. I just put salt and pepper on it. <laughs> Boring. That's not. That's you know. That's yeah. not a chef. That's some guy who's cooking a chicken breast for the first time. Yeah, so we, we spice it up. So all of our chicken is specifically hot. Okay. Uh, and it is, it's not, uh, you know, blow you away hot, but it is. it does have a little bit of kick to it. Um, and, yeah, we brine it for two days. Uh, we marinate it for another day in the spices. Okay. And then uh, we fry it and serve it with a little bit of uh, blue cheese dressing oh, on wow. a bun, basically, with lettuce and tomato. And uh, it'll keep people drinking, especially on the night. There where you it's go. just like you have a little bit of heat, and you're like, "Oh, just keep sipping on this drink." Yes. That also sort of complements it, like the aviation. And yeah, because uh, if it's a spicy chicken, this aviation, as I mentioned earlier, has a nice summery kind of light feel. Yeah, I think those two would be a perfect combination and and keep you going back for more. So nice. I brought that in as do well. You, do you Use chicken breast or thigh. Is there is there a part of the chicken that's more flavor f- eh, flavorful? We use the thigh. Okay. We we enjoy uh, definitely the the juiciness that's retained with it. Yeah, uh, as well as the application of brining sort of adds um, more moisture to yeah. uh, the chicken sandwich as opposed to the chicken breast. It does have a little bit more fat content, I suppose, okay. but um, if you're going to eat some fried chicken, are you really going to yeah, really. you're really going to split hairs with that? Right, exactly. If you've made the decision that fried chicken is the meal, yeah. you've kind of gone, "All right, tomorrow I go back. Yeah. This is my this is my cheat meal. I'm right. going to enjoy myself." Um, so we got we've got the meatloaf sandwich which sounds fascinating. The uh, the chicken sandwich, and you guys do breakfast. Because you, you open at nine on uh, every day, and uh, so what's uh, what do you what's your take on breakfast? Uh, our omelet was actually uh, featured by Time Out as one of the fifty best dishes last year in Chicago. Wow! Uh, and it's what kind of omelet is that? Uh, we do a French style omelet, so it's going to be a little bit softer. Okay. Uh, as far as the egg application for it, we also make a sobrasado, which is like a Spanish chorizo, nice. to be folded into the omelet as a as a filling. Uh, we have a little bit of uh, fresh queso fresco mm-hmm. in there as well, and then we make an agua chile, which um, is like a salsa that's primarily with cucumbers, jalapenos, and tomatillos and cilantro. Uh, so. We have all of those components. We like to think of things as a very balanced dish. Yeah. Uh, so the egg has a lot of uh, richness within the egg, as well as the chorizo has a little bit of heat. Uh, but then the queso fresco is sort of like creamy element. Then you have the aguachile, which is like the acidity of it. Um, it's got a lot of different layers to it. Uh, and I think it goes really well. And we serve breakfast all day. All uh, day. Okay. Yeah. And you're open from uh, 9 to 3 on Sunday and Monday, 9 to 9, Tuesday to Thursday. And Friday and Saturday, you are open till midnight mm-hmm. for the we, late night crowds. Yeah. We actually change on Friday and Saturday nights. We change our menu slightly Okay. Uh, for the late night crowd after 9 p.m. We have a little bit more of, uh, I would call it bar-centric food, ah. uh, but still done our way. Okay. Uh, so... It's slightly different. A lot of the offerings are still on our menu. A lot of the f- the hits and the favorites sure. that were like, we can't deny people this at 11 p.m. No. You know, it's like, if somebody wants an omelet at 11, I'll make them an omelet at 11. I don't blame you. Know? you. I don't blame um, you. But it's it's slightly condensed uh, for that late night crowd. Now, we were talking, uh, Tyler was talking about how some of the kids in the Trotter, Pro- uh, the Trotter Project programs have never cooked before. You have made this your vocation. Do you remember 
the first time you were exposed to cooking? Like what age or what, uh, what, you, what you cooked or I, how you became exposed to it? I think it was definitely baking. You know, okay. it, it's like when you're a child and you you smell like fresh baked cookies, yeah. fresh baked bread. That's like the thing that you just follow your nose and you find yourself in the kitchen and you're like, I'm going to eat that right now. Right. Um, and I think that was me with my mom. She was she was the cook in our household. And so, uh, I yeah, I just remember always just, you know, being on her heels, essentially, yeah. just uh, I'm sure pestering her, but asking as many questions as I could and burning myself at all times. And, <laughs> Uh, you know, that was that was sort of my introduction to it was, you know, sort of experiencing that through our family. And, and yeah, it, it just continued. It is an amazing thing, whether you were, whether you make it your vocation like you did, Ian, or as uh, Tyler was talking about, people just learning how to cook. It is empowering. Once you once you think to yourself, well, I can take these things that I have in, in the refrigerator or that I bought at the store and create something, whether it's really simple or very complex it, it's a great feeling. Yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's one of the more valuable skills I think yes. people should have. I believe Being able to cook for yourself, right. it, I think it, it'll make a big difference in society, I think, if people start cooking for them. Not that they shouldn't come to my restaurant. No, they should come to <laughs> You can cook at home and then still go out to eat. There, there's nothing wrong with going out and having a nice breakfast or going out to dinner and uh, still being able to make yourself, you know, you can make one meal at home and eat a meal out. Yeah. No, no reason but, to. But, I mean, that's part of the reason why we partner with the Trotter Project as well, because we like yeah. to pass on any sort of skills or training that we have to people who are willing and and you know scholars and that want to continue yeah. the tradition of great culinary aspects of Chicago. So, any times that we have a chance to do that, we'll be like, "Here, I'll teach you everything I know." If there you, you go. if you want to listen, you want to continue, then let's do it. Yeah, it's it's great to pass that on. And the Trotter Project is doing wonderful work. Uh, the TrotterProject.org is the website where you can get all the information. The Night of Cocktails and Fundraising is Tuesday, February 12th from 5 to 9 at Three Squares Diner, which is located at 1020 West Lawrence. Uh, they will have some lovely bites for you to sample as well as some drinks for you to purchase. You can go to the TrotterProject.org to make some donations and support the cause. And you can check out Three Squares Diner at threesquaresdiner.com. Again, and they are open every day at 9 o'clock uh, till 3, Sunday and Monday, till 9 on Tuesday and Thursday. And then Friday, Saturday, they stay open until midnight. So go and support uh, them and support the Trotter Project on the 12th. Tyler, thanks for coming in. How'd your mind? Did you stay okay? I know you're worried about being uh, drying out. Are you? Oh, yeah. Did you do all right? Yeah, we're, you sounded we're, we're great. Don't worry about it. You were fine. <laughs> you were fine, Ian. It's uh, like you've thanks. done this a million times before, so <laughs> I'm not going to worry about you. Thank you both for coming in. Thanks for having. Good us, luck man. on the event. Again, it's TrotterProject.org and ThreeSquaresDiner.com. We'll do this, and then there's more. It's WGN. All right. My thanks again to Tyler Jorstad from the Trotter Project and Chef Ian Vokes. From Three Squares Diner, again, you can go uh, check out the event on February 12th at uh, Three Squares Diner. Go to trotterproject.org or threesquaresdiner.com. I just tried a uh, taste of that meatloaf sandwich that Ian was talking about. It is phenomenal. Very layered, very different, very tasty. Now I'm waiting because here she comes. I didn't even realize that today was such a monumentous day. Karen Conti has walked in. Uh, I would sing to you, but my voice would uh, would drive you crazy. Happy birthday! I didn't know I didn't know it was your birthday. Hold on, that's the wrong mic. There you go. Oh, thank you. You're good. Thank you. You're welcome. That's very. I, I, I came in today, and they they post all the monthly birthdays on the refrigerator. Oh, I that's how know. I knew it was your birthday because it didn't say any. I didn't see. Did I see it on Facebook? I yes, it was on Facebook. All right, so back it, off, Roger. 
<laughs> Roger, Ro- he, Roger's uh, uh, just to warn you, Karen, for for the show. Roger's in a mood today. Is he really? No, I'm not. He's in a is it re- mood. is it reflective in his news, or is he just doing this kind of personally with well, you? Well, it may just be me. Okay, uh, which I you know I understand. But uh, not. have you done anything to celebrate your birthday? Not really. No, you came you know, in here to do your show. You know what? Jerry is not a celebrator of birthdays. I love birthdays. To me, how many days do you have that you could call your own? I mean, the first 10 you don't remember. Probably the right. last 10 you probably don't have much. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got like, what, a good 60 days maybe? And your yeah. whole life you could say, that's my day. And uh, I usually like to make it a big deal for people. Yeah. But uh, Jerry's not into it at all. I'm with Jerry. I don't. Uh, yeah. I like to celebrate other people in my life's birthday. Okay. Like Debbie and Molly. I, I make a big deal out yeah. of their birthdays. But you don't want someone no, to I make a want, big deal no. about yours. No, not at oh. all. Oh. Not at all. I think what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Probably. And, and Debbie and Molly agree with you. That's why my, <laughs> my wishes are cast aside. So, but wait a minute. He won't even do anything to celebrate your birthday? No. I'm going to talk to him. That's wrong. He just thinks that it's another day. But, you know, again. He should listen to what I want. Yes, because it is your day. It is. Uh, again. And then he gets all embarrassed when I make a big deal and I have people over to meet to, you know, a little surprise yeah. and a little gift. And, and he's like, oh, I don't want to do that. That's just not, not I don't want yeah, that but, attention. But it's your day. Yeah. On his day, I understand. He doesn't want to do anything on his day. Listen, I'll browbeat him afterwards. <laughs> Please. Uh, I'll, I'll corner him out. <laughs> so he does. Wow. Did he at least say happy birthday? He did. Okay. Yeah. But that's it. Just in passing. Like yeah, I just went to the bathroom in the morning. <laughs> happy birthday. You want a cup of coffee? Yeah. Happy birthday, by the way. <laughs> happy birthday. Oh, yeah. It's that day again? Happy birthday. Really <laughs> fa- fascinating. It's too bad. That's all right. All right. I can live with it. Is he going to take you out to dinner at least we're going, after the show? We're going show? out to Joe's. Okay. Yep. A lot of restaurants are closed tonight. Are they really? Yeah. Some of our favorite restaurants in our neighborhood are closed. Is it Super Bowl Super related? Bowl, yeah. They, th- they just get a really small trickling of people, so they just decide to close. Oh, no. Yeah. So you're going to Joe's? Joe's, you can't go wrong with I'll that tell place. You what, that's one of my favorite. That's places. a great place. Oh, they, and, if, and if you don't like fish, they have they say the best steak in the whole city. Yeah, it's I'm always torn when I go there because yep. I don't I want to have fish, but then I'm like, mm, and last time uh, last time I had steak and it was it was as as advertised. It's a great place, delicious. Yeah, yeah. that's a good yep. that's a good spot. So people will if you want to wish Karen Conti a happy birthday, <laughs> uh, don't because she doesn't celebrate it. Or at least Jerry doesn't. Brian said earlier in the evening that he was going (laughs) to sing Happy Birthday to you. Actually, he he volunteered me, too. I chose not to ruin Karen's birthday by (laughs) singing to her. I thought a more heartfelt uh, wishing her a happy birthday was better. Would you agree? Okay. Yeah, you don't want to hear yeah. this. Uh, we're not singers. Listen, I, no. If you don't sing, don't, 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 don't start now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm not... Who, who am I kidding? <laughs> so, uh, we've got uh, we've got the big show. What's uh, Has there been a lot of the legal wranglings no, this week? You know, I want to talk briefly at, uh, about this governor from Virginia. Should he or should yes. he not resign? The guy who was pictured in his medical school yearbook, which I didn't know you even had one when you yeah, were in medical that. school. That surprised me, yeah. too. Which, like, really? And, and there's, a, there's a picture of, of somebody with blackface, and somebody with a KKK rope, but at first he apologized, and then he said, neither of those is me. So then why did you apologize? Yeah, I don't know. I, and, and it's all confusing. And, you know, again, should we go back 15 years and hold people responsible for stupid, racist, horrible things they did when they were young? Now, he wasn't that See, that's, young. that's the line, I think. But... But we didn't. We went through that with the Supreme Court justice. You know, if if what if what that woman said was true, it's pretty egregious conduct. Right. And people said all the time he was just a young man. You can't hold him responsible for that. His hormones are acting up. Boys will be boys. 
again, you know, where do we draw the line? It's right. an interesting question. I want to have people call in and tell me what they think about it. Yeah, it is. It is interesting, and I'll be uh, listening to see what people say because it's, boy, there's a. I understand. I understand why it's it's you know a horrible image. I understand all that. I also am like, oh, I, I I debate with myself. When when is there a point where you should medical school? You should know better. There's a, there's absolutely so. no question. And certain behaviors, grade school, high school, you should know better. Certain behaviors, you know, if you get drunk and uh, you know you get arrested for for peeing in an alley when you're in high school or college. All right, that's that's just dumb behavior. And we have to add to this too that he has chosen a public life. Right. He has chosen to lead people and he's chosen to be a representative of his state. Yes. And so you're held to a higher standard. Exactly. You know, so do you then uh, you know, does everybody that runs for public office now have to do something to erase their bad pasts, or do they just not run for office? And then who do we have running for office? Right. <laughs> and, and but then, you know, that people say, well, if you say who doesn't have a mistake in their past, sure. Well, everybody's got a mistake, but so our, where do you? Where's the weight of those mistakes? And exactly. I, so it's going to be very interesting. Have a fun conversation. Yep. What a way to spend your birthday debating if, <laughs> if a governor is racist or not. It'll be fun. It's well, better have, than sitting home in my apartment with Jerry not celebrating. Right. Exactly. You, you could know? be out having a party. Not to feel sorry for. We me. could have had hats and balloons and noisemakers. <laughs> we could have been out. To, you know what? Cody jo- could have dressed as a clown. He could have. Yeah. That would have been creepy. Yeah. His really clown creepy. costume doesn't have pants. It's weird. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we could have got a ball pit, all sorts of things. But anyway, you're here, so you I'm might here. as well have a wonderful show. Okay, Happy thanks. birthday. Thank you, Brian. We will talk to you. All right, we'll talk to you again. Are we off next week, Cody? Yeah, we're off next week because there's a Blackhawks game and a Northwestern game. So we'll talk to you. We'll talk to you soon. Keep your eye on your Facebook page. We'll let you know when we're going to be back. Steve Cockard Show celebrates the most valuable person on the planet. Weekday mornings at 720 on 720 WGN Chicago. Smart speaker users. Just say play WGN Radio on TuneIn. It is 7 o'clock with the news A very, very surly Roger Badish. Only for you, Brian.